Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talking About Games, just a podcast we decided to make because sometimes some of us just want to talk about games we just played or we're about to play. Uh, as some of you may know on Twitch, this is the second time we've actually done this show as it fills in between our other podcasts, and as such, there's not really a whole lot of flair here at the beginning of the show. But let's just get right into it because the topic is still a fairly hot one even after a few weeks. We're going to need some hosts for that. I'm one of them, Michael, Mr. Happy Pokemon. Of course, joining me is Sly, a.k.a. Sly the Fox, a.k.a. Stay up late to get ready for the show last night in a very, very particular way that you guys will probably figure out real quick. How you doing, Sly? I'm here. And fresh. Very fresh. They can't see you yet, so stop giving me a thumbs up, Sly. (laughs) (laughs) Just so you guys, you can save the thumbs up for when when they can see you in about 20 seconds. Okay. And uh, we had him on for the last show. He decided he was going to show up for this one as well because he really wanted to do this topic. He's been waiting on this one big time. We brought on Ethos, who loves to throw tons of information at everyone, and we love it. How you doing, Ethos? I am good. How how are we, guys? What's going on? How we been? I'm doing good. I've uh, I've deliberately held off on doing anything regarding our topic for today's show because I knew we were doing today's show at some point. And now I get to lose my mind over everything. I've been doing the same thing. I've had people coming into stream being like, oh, what do you think of Final Fantasy VII? I'm like, I'm, I'm saving myself up. I'm saving up. Soon. <laughs> uh, and before I do our quick little sponsor roll at the beginning, Sly, you beat it last night. <laughs> this morning, 7.20 a.m. 7.20 a.m. And it is, for reference, Jeez. guys, it is now 3.01 p.m. for him. So oh my goodness. He, he's as fresh as can be ready to talk about it as anyone could possibly be for this show. Yeah. <sighs> well, fortunately, that means you've got a lot of a lot of listening to do for this show because Ethos and I have had time to internalize Present, a lot of it. Yeah. But a first impression <laughs> fresh off of it will yeah. be interesting. All right, before we get started, though, we have to thank our sponsors, uh, our other normal podcast, which is the Final Fantasy XIV podcast, Day of the Realm. We have some sponsors for that show, and I inherently just decided they sponsor the show as well, because they sponsor the channel as well, so they sponsor everything as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I didn't ask them, but they just now sponsor this one, too. Uh, we, of course, have uh, my channel sponsor, Steel Series, who's been my sponsor for many, many years now. We've recently upgraded our discount code from 10% with them to 12%. I forgot to update that in all of my YouTube videos since that happened, but I've been mentioning it. So hopefully you've been changing the 1-0 to a 1-2 the whole time. And I'll remember to do that for this when it goes up on YouTube as well. But thank you to Steel Series. Be sure to enter our monthly giveaways, which are available in the descriptions of the podcast as well. You win free stuff from Steel Series. Why not? Free stuff, especially right now. Usually a pretty good deal, as far as I'm concerned. We also have our patron sponsors, which we will do a more formal shout-out at the end of the show, but their names will be scrolling in the top right. And there's a few names that actually have to get added in there. I haven't forgot about you, and I'll make sure those are there for Mondays with Mr. Happy when it comes to this upcoming week. So, gentlemen, normally for TVG, I, uh, you know, uh, the first time we did the show, I made a bunch of different... What? Yeah, normally. Normally, I set a precedent in the first one, <laughs> and now I'm one and now I'm going against right, this yeah. precedent in the second one. Okay. In the first yeah. TVG, where we had multiple different topics, we talked about Animal Crossing and Doom and their release dates colliding and their social impact, as well as upcoming games, even Seven Remake. I made a bunch of different, you know, 
overlays to cover the different topics to put stuff on the screen. I don't need to do that this time. I literally see that current topic up there that just says Final Fantasy VII Remakes. That's it. That's the only one I needed. I'm pointing the wrong way because my cameras are reversed. That's all that matters. Okay? Because that's all we're talking about today. This is our get it all talking out. About game. Yeah, that's the whole Singular. show. Talk about game. Talk about Singular. It. Yeah. Luckily, TBG for short doesn't need the S at the end. Put it in parentheses because we only need to talk about one today, which will inherently yeah. mean we talk about one, two, three, four, five different games. <laughs> Several. So yeah. It kind of works out as far and as I'm movie. concerned. Yeah, and a movie, I suppose. So talking about game and movie, parentheses, S. Because, oh boy, do we have a lot to cover today. We're going to be diving into every element we can at least think of off the top of our head or our notes and slide. I need to start with you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now we're How do gonna, you feel? no, no, no. Wait, wait. We're going to go into all the details, but we need to start with someone who's had it fresh. Doesn't matter what part of the game you want to talk about. We do probably want to say how we actually felt about the game overall at some point in the show before even just talking about the lore. So you finished it less than eight hours ago, or actually like, yep. yeah, no, eight hours ago, like to the to the minute practically. Yep. How are you feeling fresh off that experience? Because you went ham on that game to get it done. I went ham because I chose not to stream it. And I feel like not only just because like spoilers and backseating, yada, yada, yada. I feel like when I like guilty pleasure game, kind of like when I did with uh, Witcher 3 a couple of years ago, I have a lot more fun with it. And as someone who really... Like, I wasn't the hypest for 7 Remake. I mean, again, it wasn't, like, it was a great game. It wasn't one of my favorites, but it's still, like, still a great game. As someone who wasn't really hyped for it, I wanted to experience it on my own, and I'm glad I did. Because it was a really good game. Remake was well done. It's not perfect, but I feel like it's, it went above a lot of people's expectations and it certainly did for me so uh i had to get a number nine out of ten but do again that's brave i don't like giving games numbers anymore i hate giving games numbers (laughs) when 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 did that happen for a long time no i hate giving games numbers i i don't mind giving a feature of a game a number like oh the story was like Uh eight out of ten but I wouldn't just okay. add them together and get like a number, like an average. Uh, that doesn't work for me. Because how you feel when you play a game may not necessarily reflect how good. They- I like Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. It's arguably mm-hmm. not a great game. So <laughs> you know, I, it, the, the expectation wouldn't match the reality of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's funny that you said it went above people's expectations. I, I think it certainly went outside of people's expectations in one direction or another. Tangential expectations, yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. yeah. There was like expectations was here and the game was like somewhere like out here or out here or like down <laughs> here maybe. Depends who you yeah. ask. Yeah, it's a four-way XY graph essentially with the center yeah. being at, with the, or the origin being expectation and how far out you are being, being the individual points that connect. Uh, mm. What about you, Athos? How did you, so just before we dive into the specific elements, how you feel about the game? Just the game as a piece, as a whole, whatever. Mm. 
Okay, without without getting too specific. Without getting too specific, because mm-hmm. obviously, like, we're gonna dive into all the lore, but just a general overview, like Sly just gave. I I thought it was as good you could make it, considering it was a remake of the weakest part of the OG. I think that that all of the criticisms, most of the criticisms that I have of it, are criticisms that stem from it um, trying to. Uh, create some verisimilitude of a section of the original game that is very restricted, very much on the rails and not at all representative of like what the rest of the game is. So it makes me very, very excited for, uh, for the sequels. Um, and I think that based on that expectation, I would rate it very highly. Okay. For me, most of my criticisms are actual gameplay elements, things that mm-hmm. felt like outdated UI wise or, player control wise, such as entering like weapon screens, being like one at a time and then having to go in and do a load screen, come out, do a load screen, load screens in general. Uh, which, you know, to be fair, PS1 had terrible load times too. So maybe that was, maybe that's what they were fucking going for. Uh, <laughs> but things like that were more my criticisms. The actual game, 95% of it, I was just like nailed it. 5% I was like, I'll leave that. I'll leave that for later. I'll I'll come back to that five percent when the next parts release and be like, yeah. How did I actually okay. feel about that? Because mm-hmm. not minding something or being okay with something is not the same as being enthusiastic about it. You know what I mean? But uh, other than that, I I mean, it's very few times that I've played a game seven or eight times in the two weeks it's been out on top of playing other games. So mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Speaks for itself in some degree, I feel. So I couldn't put a number on it, but I felt really good playing it and playing it repeatedly at that. Um, we, we were talking about expectations. I think before we dive in like too deeply into any specific elements of the game itself, um, I think that in terms of expectations leading up to the game, one of the perhaps the biggest elephant in the room was Final Fantasy 15, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how were you guys expecting it to perform compared to Final Fantasy XV? When you say yeah. perform, do you mean commercially? Do you mean, I mean functionally? I mean commercially, and I'll, I'll go into like commercially, but I, I just mean like, okay, let me, let me put it another way. How did your experiences of Final Fantasy XV color your expectations of Final Fantasy VII? It didn't, really? Not, not at all. No. Same. Well, I feel, I feel like this, a lot of people had more of a rooting interest in this, mm-hmm. like development included. So I feel like with this, there wasn't a lot of room to fuck up because this was, this was like, well, that's a brave statement right there. <laughs> this was like the first baby for a lot of people that brought them into FF mm-hmm. and like to put that experience along the same lines as 15, like, yeah, you really had to go above and beyond. So I really feel like, in terms of like comparing fifteen to seven performance wise and everything, well, yeah, they they had to, they had to knock it out of the park. This couldn't be, this couldn't be a fifteen. This couldn't be mm-hmm. a Kingdom Hearts. It had to be mm-hmm. special. Damn, catch it had on. Special. Still a I get that. Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, if anything, Kingdom Hearts three shaped my expectations more than fifteen did. Okay. Because um, Kingdom Hearts 3 is a little bit fresher on my mind, and for me, mm-hmm. Kingdom Hearts was a bigger, Kingdom Hearts 3 specifically was a bigger disappointment than Final Fantasy 15 was. 
um, from a okay. from, from an expectation to execution because my my expectations mm. for 15 were never very high after the roller coaster it went through. My expectations for Kingdom Hearts 3 were through the roof despite some of the recent uh, games <laughs> like Dream okay. Drop. Um, but with Seven Remake, I think from from the the second it was revealed, I had lo- I had moderate expectations. From the second I played the demo, my expectations shot up, and yeah. uh, that was when I really defined it differently from Fifteen and Kingdom Hearts Three. Well, as soon as I felt how grounded it was in its mm-hmm. in its systems, um, as opposed to feeling super floaty, super like way more overpowered feel in the other games that we're referencing here. Um, and the fact that I could actually get hit probably helped a little bit too. I, I knew no. I knew that my expectations had to not be levied at all by the by the other projects Screenix has worked on, okay. or even the people who worked on this game had worked on. That's that's interesting. Yeah. So 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 for me, my expectation that it was basically that they were going to learn from the mistakes they made with fifteen, um, and the successes that they enjoyed with fifteen, and basically that was going to like flavor what they did with seven and i think like they they did that to more or less a degree um do you guys want to talk about uh sales statistics i, got, oh, I, got I already i did I'm, I'm i'm super fresh on that because i remember final fantasy 15 paid its entire 10 uh-huh. year technical debt in a single day's worth of sales and was profitable mm-hmm. by the second day but it's also available on two platforms whereas final Fantasy 7 remake yes has not been in development nearly as long but also didn't sell as well because it's only available on one platform and we also don't know yes. how well it sold after the first three days. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let, let's start with 15. So 15, uh, shipped in digital sales, 5 million on, uh, on day one. Yep. Shipped in digital. Um, 715,000 physical sales in Japan in week one. Yeah. Um, and by December 23, 2019, it had shipped, uh, and digital 8.9 million. Global. Yes. And that was on PlayStation 4 and Xbox specifically. No PC mm-hmm. version. Oh no, that's that's including Steam as well. For the eight point nine million is is, is Oh so no, that was so that was the following year. Sorry, I thought that was the mm-hmm. following month. Came yeah, out yeah, this is twenty nineteen. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, so, so that's fine. That makes sense. Good, because it was six million within a month after it came out mm-hmm. just in the first two platforms. Yeah, yeah. Which is pretty wild. Yeah, it um, did really so, well. Final Fantasy Seminar it, it kind of caught my eye when they were they put out a, a tweet about a week ago celebrating the fact that they'd um, shipped and met digital sales of 3.5 million in the first three days, which is significantly less than 15 in that same period. Yeah. Um, but they sold 700,000 physical copies in Japan in week one, which is only 15,000 less than Final Fantasy 15. During a pandemic. <laughs> During pandemic, Although they weren't again. state of emergency yet, to be fair, they were yeah. not yet state of emergency. So. That's that's true. But you know, we were talking about numbers for um, uh, for Animal Crossing a couple of weeks ago, and like obviously the the situations changed a lot in Japan since then. Um, to okay, to give you a comparison here, so seven hundred thousand physical copies in Japan week one. How many physical copies do you think the original Final Fantasy VII sold in week one in Japan? Oh man, way like millions of of physical copies. Mm-hmm. Probably two point two million physical copies for the original. Yeah, I was going to say two, three. I was going to say two three. million. Two I million. knew it was two, two or three. higher. Yeah, yeah, 
Two million. The the highest selling Final Fantasy. There wasn't really um, much another way to get the game back then, so it's not really yeah, that well, much yeah, of a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah of, of course. But that's still like a phenomenal number. Um, yeah. Final Fantasy VIII actually outsold it. Um, yeah, I know. Final Fantasy VIII yeah. in, in first week sold 2.5 million. Yep. And then nine, I think, dropped to like 1.7, 1.8 or something in the mm-hmm. first. Yeah, because eight, eight rode the coattails of seven hard when it came to sales. Mm-hmm. And nine didn't ride it nearly as much. It wasn't as much a commercial success. So the, the official number we have is 3.5 million for yeah, that's, first, three that's copies days. shipped and digital sales. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a PSN API tracking, uh, site, which I think you're familiar with Mike? Yeah, we that's actually I think the same website that first leaked the demo that the demo mm-hmm. was going to exist in the first place because it had the data yep. had been integrated into the into the store. Mm-hmm. So basically this um PSN API tracking algorithm calculated that 2.3 million users had at least one trophy in Final Fantasy 7 remake in the first 3 days of launch. And I think that that is a more reliable number for like people that are actually bought the game and are playing the game than, um, you know, shipping numbers, right? Yeah. But that is, that's incredible. 2.3 million, um, on, on PSN, um, people that have bought, installed and started playing the game and gotten that first trophy. And that is like way more than, um, Final Fantasy 15 and, uh, a little bit more than physical copies of uh, week one of the original Final Fantasy VII, which is really interesting. It's also the third highest ever um, for a PS4 exclusive. Um, Man, I really wonder how this will be in a year, how this discussion will look in a year. Because as a reminder, as I have my my deluxe edition right here, uh, exclusive Mm. until 4-10-2021. So 4-10-2021, okay. Wow. Well, there you go. A year. I mean, it's only exclusive for a year. And then I have no doubt there will be a PC version. We know that the, the current console development is done um, on a, an engine that's compatible with PCs, so it's much easier to port now. Um, in mm-hmm. fact, some of the recent behind-the-scenes show their development tools, which are on a PC, and how certain elements look in there. So I assume that the porting to Steam will not be far off, and Xbox, we already know, will happen on 4.10.2021. So... Yeah, yeah, I'd be very, very surprised um, if it wasn't like to the day um, available. But, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm looking. I'm looking at comparative data here between seven remake and fifteen. So this same API tracking, um, which calculated 2.3 million users in the first three days of Final Fantasy VII, calculated only 1.16 million um, day three of Final Fantasy XV. And yeah, okay, it was it was released on Xbox, you know, same time. But that's still like a significant boost. That's twice as many uh, players on uh, on PS4 as Final Fantasy 15 in the same period of time. I think to say with all the stats before we go into spoiler cast is that we mm-hmm. knew it was going to be a big thing, and I think because of the way the game Definitely. actually turned out, lore wise, that it's going to continue to be a very very large discussion. <laughs> stats or otherwise. This will not mm. leave people's minds mm. until the next game is out, until people have <laughs> a, a bigger frame of reference. And Sly, it, it hasn't even had the chance to like fully even enter his mind. So <laughs> he's still got, he's got even more 
I'm, I'm today's I'm, show. You're going to be like, so enlightened, Sly. You have no idea. <laughs> right now, like I'm emotionally and like numb in terms of everything that happened. Like it happened, and I understand it. I process a little. I process a little bit of it, but it's like, okay, we'll talk about it later. But yeah, we'll talk about it. So let's talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about stuff. it. So I actually want to start with kind of the familiar here, because for me, one of the the glowing parts of the game is how well it interprets what we are familiar with down to individual characters down to scenes that you may remember from the original they i this is probably the part that makes me a big stand for this game in the first place it's because it blew those elements away way beyond my expectation past the first portion of it with what we know and what we're going to talk about, don't you think that's kind of a mechanic of the game in itself? I don't like care if it is. Uh, dude, all it that matters, to every part be- that happened in the original, I was looking to see how they redid it. I mean, that's literally mm-hmm. been a discussion since day one. Since the second the game was confirmed as something that was being made, what were all the articles about? Will the cross-dressing scene be there? How will they do Don Corneo? Will Sung still backhand Aerith across the face? Like, how are they going to modernize these scenes? Because the way our culture worked back then and the way our culture works now are very different. The way things are portrayed in horse hoof polygon hands versus, you know, a <laughs> lifelike human model are all very, very different. So that's been the discussion. And it's why the later part of our discussion is so important because it isn't within those expectations and is far mm-hmm. outside as, as a very tangentially related to the expectations. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for me, the fact that the scenes that I remember from the original are done the way they are done here, that blew me away more than any, any other element of the game, the gameplay, the parts of the, the, the tangential expectation parts, all of it. It's, it seems it is definitely like what the developers wanted the original seven to kind of look and feel like it's like what they had in their mind's eye. You know, finally we have the the technology to kind of make this spectacle the way that we imagined it. Um, I had that sense a lot. Like you can see how much, how much passion and love is like put into every single one of those scenes. It's, it's clearly something that they've been thinking about, you know, for the past 20 years. Right. Yeah. They think they said, yeah. like, 70% of the staff that worked on the original game is on mm-hmm. the staff for this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Including yeah. the lead writer, Nojima-san, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. second scenario writer who is the producer of the game, as well as the character mm-hmm. designer who is our director. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kitase um, is uh, is producing. Yeah. And um, uh, Nomura is, uh, is directing. And Nomura and Kitase were the, the co-writers. No, the Nomura only did character designs of the original yeah, character design. Nojima-san was the lead scenario writer of the original, and he is the lead scenario writer of this game as well. Okay. Oh, you, you know, you're right. I believe it was Nojima and Kitase that wrote. Yes. The original yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Nomura did a lot of the, uh, most of the character design. Yes. I think Nomura helped write eight. 
I think he started helping mm. write what coming eight, but seven he was still only character design. I have a lot mm. of stuff to share about Nojima-san later, though, when we talk about the stuff that's different. Because right. just saying he wrote the original is not the whole picture. <laughs> Trust me with that. And my yeah, cat, there's a bit more to it than that. My cat seems the one out. So So, Slider, do you have a... How, how about this for a question? Okay. What was your favorite, like, scene that had been reimagined from the original? Like, a scene that perhaps um, had some sort of significance to you when you first played the game that uh, you saw recreated in the, the dress. The dress. Okay. Did you know that there are several dresses that you can get? Based on the choices, I kind of, like, math that out. Like, mm-hmm. depending on the choice, like, hey, uh, Tifo had this one. Um, a cloud is going to have this one. And then, like, based on everything, based on what, um, Madam M said, like, mm-hmm. depending on how many quests you did, like, oh, I'm going to get something good. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I did. Relative. I, I know, I know what determines all those dress decisions if you want to know. <laughs> like how you get all the different dresses. I'm all too familiar with it, trust me. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, well what was yours, Mike? What was your favorite scene that had been recreated? Oh man, uh, how to pick one. Uh, you know, one, one that was recreated but is also along the lines of what they did differently. Because I think this okay. is a scene that they that is in the original, but this in, in our version it's so completely different that you can only relate that mm-hmm. it's happening at about the same time. In the original Final Fantasy VII, after you rescue Aerith, after you free Red Thirteen, you know he tries to rip Hojo's you know throat out of his neck. You get in an elevator, and the Turks just walk in and be like, "Well, we got you," and then you just <laughs> go, you just in jail, and I'm like. What? No, I kick both of No, that doesn't make and I hate that part <laughs> in the original. You literally Rude just gets in the elevator is like going up and I'm like, "No, come now you can't, that doesn't make any sense. I'd kick his ass right there." In this, what they do instead to get you to the point where you're in these rooms to like talk to the individual characters and to advance the story is after you free Aerith, after you free Red, Mm-hmm. Uh, Red chases Hojo. Hojo gets away. You get introduced to him. And instead, they take the time to do something that's going to be very important for later on, is that they they further characterize Cloud's interaction with Sephiroth and with his uh, Genova cells that, at this point, nobody knows he has in him. They don't know he's a failed experiment to clone. Spoilers for the original. But his his cognitive functions, his his words, his motions, they literally completely cave under Genova's influence, under Sephiroth's influence. And he can he literally forces him to move across and almost kind of relive a little portion of Sephiroth's own physical actions in Nibelheim. That's a super important characterization that kind of comes out of nowhere a little bit later in the original. He we have we have him having these freak out moments, but this is a very direct like I have control of your body kind of moment. And that leads to him, when he does get his control back, he passes out and they end up in Aerith's room instead of a jail cell, which, to be fair Mm -hmm. for her, is both basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a scene in the original that is completely redone, but the way they redid it, I find so superior to the original, having the whole picture of the original in mind. There's so much of that, honestly. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, 
again, the whole, like this, this, this whole chapter, this whole episode in the original, you can do in what, three hours, four hours? Yeah. Um, and yeah. it sucks. Like in the original, it's not well paced and it's really kind of messy and sporadic. Um, and the fact that they've taken the moment to sort of move a lot of those dramatic beats on a little bit earlier. Like I've seen a lot of people were upset about Sephiroth being introduced so early. Comment on that. So get to, get, get to yours. Yeah. And I got something to follow up with. <laughs> and we'll get to that. But I think that it, it kind of makes the narrative a lot more cohesive. Um, mm. I mean, obviously we got all the scenes with like Jesse and Biggs and Wedge and the fact that, you know, drawing out their arcs and stuff, it makes like, later moments so much more impactful later on. Um, for me, just like that one tableau of Cloud and Aerith sitting on top of the, the thing in the playground um, and thinking back to the equivalent of that in the original, that was just like such a phenomenal like shot for me. It was like exactly how I'd sort of pictured that shot and that moment that it just kind of really, I don't know that, that really stuck with me for some reason. I don't know why, like it's such an insignificant sort of, uh, passing moment, but just so, so powerful to me. Um, yeah. But the, yeah. uh, the thing you mentioned regarding Sephiroth, uh, there was mm-hmm. actually an interview that came out about a week ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that Katase mentions how, when they wrote the original, uh, Sephiroth's presence was actually heavily inspired by Jaws where they don't want you seeing the monster throughout almost mm. all of the movie. They want his presence to be felt and they want occasional glimpses, but they mm-hmm. wanted him largely to remain out of the picture until uh the 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 climax of the story. Mm. And but and then, I think that's mm-hmm. that's yeah. compelling. Yeah. But, Here they said, yeah, people have known who he is for 20 for, you know, 20 something years. We kind of can't do that again. So yeah. we're going to instead choose to establish all of his story elements more cohesively in the early portion. So he, you know mm. he is the actual villain, and it's not like he's like a tangential villain or he's just like kind of sneaks in, which they do a lot in, in the old Final Fantasy games. They like they throw like a character, you're like, that guy's definitely the bad guy, but the game's not going to convince me he's the bad guy until everything goes to shit later. Yeah, well, I mean, the problem with a lot of the old Final Fantasy games is that, like, you have a villain that's established, and then, like, an hour from the end of the game, you're like, oh, no, it's actually uh, me. It's um, not an hour, but, you know, unless it's Final know, Fantasy IX, mean? in which it's five minutes before the end of the game. Yeah, but, like, it does that a lot. You get right to the very end, and it's suddenly like, ah, oh, yes, it was actually this cosmic entity that was puppeteering everything all along that you have no connection to whatsoever and is just like an arbitrary curveball for the sake of it. Thank you, and, Necron. And... Thank <laughs> right, you. exactly. <laughs> I've always, I've always fucking hated that so much. I hate it. I hate it. Um, I think speaking, okay, speaking of the Jaws thing, um, I think, I think it is fair to criticize it for being like fan service. Like, oh, well, it's going to have Sephiroth. It's Final Fantasy VII. Like people want to see Sephiroth in HD, right? Um, but on the other hand, like it's not. And you you see him, but to take the Jaws metaphor, it's like you're seeing shadows, you know? It's like yeah. you're, you're seeing, like, shadows under the surface of the water and, like, oh, shit, is that Sephiroth? Oh, no, it's just, like, something that set Cloud off or one of these other, you know, weirdos in a in a robe with a tattoo on his arm, like, what's what's going on? It's like he's he's there, but, but he's not. But the presence um, is felt. Exactly. 
Um, and I thought that was really effective. Yeah. What about, so what, I think what, it made a lot more sense moving it forward, not just for fan service. So how much experience do you have with the original Final Fantasy VII? Because we've actually never had this discussion. Like, I, I know, I, I don't know like, what your, like, total I, history is with it. I've gone through it, like, the original, the OG 7, I've gone through it, but, like, it, again, it's been, like, what, 20 years? So you haven't gone through it since, like, the days when it was, like, a new game. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. So this had to have I been... I mean, I did, I did do a little bit on Steam, like, a couple years back, but I never okay. got finished the playthrough, but, yeah, like, kind of refresh. Well, then, so the, these scenes, because we're talking about, oh, this makes so much sense based on the original, oh, that makes so much sense based on the original, but you haven't played the original that much in a really long time, so I'm sure these scenes didn't translate the same to you that yeah. they would have to us. Yeah. Like, for you, since y'all played, like, you've done New Threat, you've done, like, OG, I don't know how many times now, um, yeah, just, uh... I will say, like, for my Steam playthrough I did a couple of years ago, I did, I did get to the point where we are at now, at the end of Remake. That's oh, where yeah, you I, really uh, didn't play a lot then when you, when you, yeah, I Steam really didn't day. play a lot in my Steam playthrough. So yeah, I got to the point where we, we ended in Remake. So it, it's semi fresh, I guess. Well, that's all you really need right now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, we're going to be reminding you of some... Oh, at least I will definitely be reminding you of some later parts. And some, again, tangential parts. The word tangential is going to be used a lot here. It's kind yeah. of unavoidable. Um, but, so, while we're talking about the scenes that we may remember, we may have some nostalgic feelings for, that isn't the biggest topic about 7 Remake no. right now. The nope. biggest point of discussion is a new mm-hmm. element that was added in. An element that feels almost solely to have a, a, a real villain, in a sense, for the end of this game. Or at least a real mm-hmm. end goal for what, in the original, would have ended with, well, we're out. <laughs> but also yeah. to free the game of its previous bonds, in a sense. And that is the Arbiters of Fate, the fans of the OG, the true stands of Final Fantasy VII on the PlayStation 1, and that is the Whispers. We're just going straight for it, huh? Where, yeah, where do you go? Where do you go from there? What, you want to you talk about who your favorite character was? We can do that. We can do that at any point. <laughs> we can talk about who your favorite character was. We, could, we already mentioned the favorite scene. I feel like that's pretty telling right there. Okay, all right. We're going going for the deep dive. That's all anyone wants to talk about. That's yeah. the bottom line. Okay. Like we we hit the points that are like we can get through them in half an hour. Talk about how it did versus other shit versus the previous games, how they shaped our expectations. Parts from the no, no one's talking about that. Everyone's talking about the whispers. Okay, what? So what? This, this is basically therapy for the devs, right? Fucking yeah, passive. that's that's an interesting yeah. reading. That's it's a yeah. it's, it's super passive aggressive therapy. Is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, look, there's there's several different ways that you can interpret what this device is. It can be purely like meta narrative. It can be you know a ludo narrative device for explaining why the beginning of the game is so on the rails. Um, and giving it an opportunity to open up in the next part. Or we can go straight into the conspiracy theory of... 
We should probably save the conspiracy theories regardless of what they're about. Because I don't think you can start this discussion with a conspiracy theory. I feel like we're going there. I feel I feel we're like gonna get there. Gonna no, go we're gonna there. get there, but we don't need to start there. You don't, right. you don't start a conspiracy theory without explaining what the conspiracy what 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 you're cons- conspiring against. <laughs> okay, what are we conspiring against then? So, the original fucking endings. <laughs> the original game. Well, to be fair, we don't we haven't been to the original ending yet. We've been to the or the official ending of this game, which was events. a few hours into the original game. They've created yeah. an ending in the first game, whereas this point in the original was at most a chapter being finished. Yeah. You know? So what are the whispers? The whispers, as are described by the game's characters, specifically Aerith and Red 13, are arbiters of fate meant to keep the course of the planet in one direction as there's a timeline it is sure the timeline what are you sure about that no i'm not no, i'm telling you what the characters are telling us yeah the, 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 the planet's expression of of destiny yeah the planet, the planet's has, a plan, the planet has a script and that these are the ones that sort of make sure things shift on the right path yeah anything that's anything that is the destined timeline they will mm. course correct to make sure it goes that way. Whether it's ha- hurting someone or helping someone, they don't care. It's, it's, it's arbitrary. They just, they know how things are supposed to go, and that's how they're going to go, unless we have something to say about it. Which is ironic, because to be fair, what we have to say about it originally would have been, yeah, that, do that, that was my expectation, that's what's gonna happen. Now, before even diving into the specifics about how much these things actually have to do with the original, which is largely where mm-hmm. this cons- conspiracy theories end up diving into, mm-hmm. how do we feel about destiny being introduced as an element into this? It's a very common trope in JRPGs and even in Final Fantasy games, especially the 13 series. It is a very common trope. It's a more, it's a more visual novel type trope. You would know. Yeah, I wouldn't know that it, much. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't played a lot of visual novels, they kind of use this a lot as a mechanic to where you, you see the events in one timeline and then you go back to a certain point in the timeline just to see what would happen if you alter certain things. So yeah, it's, it's a common visual novel trope. So I'm, I'm used to it. Like, but being used it. to it isn't the same as it being used in a game when it previously wasn't. That's the big right. thing. Like if this, if I, that's, that's kind of how I've, I've been able to not really worry about this as, as a change in direction yet is because I think about, okay, if I didn't know that this was based on another game, if they, if there was no remake at the end of it, this was just the first time Final Fantasy VII was being released, would I judge that harshly? I'd probably be like, well, mm. it's a trope, but I'd be like, okay, well, you know, wonder what's going to happen in the second part. Obviously you can't really do that with this game slide, so. Being used to it doesn't necessarily change how you feel about it. So how do you feel about it? Give me how you feel. I mean, I'm partially okay with it because like, I'm go. a control freak and I kind of want things to go out of my way. Okay oh. is one of the most common expressions I've heard for those things so far. Huh. 
So we're trying to, we're trying to like not dive into the meta narrative concerns right now. Just talk about how we feel about it as like, as, as an aspect that's been added to what Mm -hmm. I feel is add an end goal to the first game other than we're leaving. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, okay, before, before we started diving too deep into it, before we got to the end of the game. Yeah. I was, I was thinking more along the lines of, all right, the beginning of Final Fantasy VII was, very, like I say, very on the rails. It was not open world. It was very directed. Um, you could not just go off and do whatever the hell you wanted and explore a big open world. Um, and that was fine then, but now it's kind of not really what we expect perhaps from a Final Fantasy game. And if I were to walk over that way and I can't, then it feels like there's some real dissonance, right? But if there's something internal to the game world's logic that says I can't, then perhaps it's a little bit easier to accept, you know? Um, perhaps it's a little bit easier for me to swallow the fact that this is a remake of a part of a game that was very linear and is forcing me to be linear and just offering me, again, some sort of, like, in-world explanation for that. That was my first sort of supposition. And I was like... Okay, fine. This is this is this is fine. This is okay. Fine, okay. That's two. I knew it. See again. Yeah. Fine and okay. Those are the two like most common representations of people who don't hate everything. For me, you know what? My, you know what my answer is. <laughs> I was okay with it. You know, it was it was like I saw I saw what was happening. You know, as I was experiencing it, I was like, yeah. Mm. Again, it's kind of a it's kind of an RPG trope. But um, I have uh, I have thoughts that when we start diving into the meta, make it less so that I'm okay and more not, not negative, okay. not negatively anxious, but just like excitedly anxious. Because I need to see how this affects everything going forward. Because that that will you really feel, determine you how want I to feel. feel something. Yes. I want to feel something. There's a void in my heart now of this, this uncertainty and anxiety that I'm sure the developers are almost, you know, sim- symbolically telling us they have as well with this story element. I get that they therapy introduced. for them. Oh, they're salivating over it. Oh, they love it. <laughs> they love it. So that starts off okay. This this keeps us largely on track in this in this linear mode. You know, it, we we don't really understand what they are at first. You know, they mm. pop up as a few additional bosses. Um, some things you mm. start to notice look like they're kind of starting to go different, and then these things show up. Um, probably the best example early on is Cloud's not going to go on the second bombing run, and neither is Tifa. It happens way before that. No, you want to know? You want to know the first significant place that it happens? Where? Is when Cloud gets his first vision of Sephiroth, right? No, in the alleyway. Yeah. When he gets his very, very first vision right before he meets Aerith, right? And it delays him. Right? Oh, yeah. That that it takes him a couple of extra minutes to bump into Aerith. So they hold Aerith in in the, in the, the place so she can meet him. And then she's there too long and they get her out of there. Yeah. Yeah. And the moment, the moment Cloud touches her, they disappear. And then as you say, like, once the moment's over, they, they drag her away. Yeah. That's the first subtle one. I think the first super obvious one. 
Because that one, I, I still felt like it was still subtle. Because, like, at that point, right. you don't really know how, like, that's your first real encounter with them. So you haven't mm-hmm. really established, like, what's happening and what her relation is to them. But then once you have the context of later, you look back at that scene, you're like, oh, but, okay. that's what was happening. But mm-hmm. the first real obvious one is when they, Cloud looks like he's not going on the bombing run, so they cripple Jesse, so he has no choice but to go on the bombing run. Hmm. That's like as soon as I saw that, I was like, "I see what you're doing." That was really <laughs> obvious what you're doing right now. But yeah, you're right. That is indeed the first actual scene where the whispers like play a role. It's just a way more subtle one because you don't understand what they are yet. Mm. That's the first time you see them. I'm freaking the first time you see her. She's yeah. like, "Yeah, yeah, exactly." Yeah. Get out of here. And well, well, that for me, I, like from that moment, I was like. What are, what are these guys up to? What's going on here? Yeah. And at first, again, I thought it was just this kind of like fun narrative device of the devs being like, oh, we're going to add some stuff, but hey, we've like invented this funny way to make sure that things like still stay on track despite us adding things. Yeah. And it just keeps going and going and going over and over and over again, they visit Cloud in his sleep before everything gets a little crazy with right before the second bombing run. They make sure that you can't even get back to them. They're like, you know, you can't even get back to them to try and save. We're going we're mm-hmm. gonna, to hurt them. And then as things just, as more and more things transpire, you just keep running into them. You actually don't run into them for a pretty decent amount of time up until you start having to get back to the, the plate dropping. Like, they're present, but they're not, like as present as they are in like chapters two through four. Once they've got mm-hmm. you on the bombing run, you're successful. You still have to fight the air buster. Uh, he has to fall. He meets Aerith, but then you see them again in Aerith's church where mm-hmm. that was like one of the weirdest points of them being introduced for me because just let the, just, I understand that cloud was going to kill Reno and that's a big reason they pushed them out, but then they're just like swarming the place. Like they know everything's going to go wrong mm-hmm. and it, and it does, but like kind of in a weird way. This is like the point where I felt like they didn't need to be there as much as they were. Like, let me pick up this material. Is it really against the timeline for me to pick this materia up right now? Are you kidding yeah. me? Get out of here. It's not, you don't, I don't need you here right now. I was going this way. All right. That we were going to get like what, 40, 45 minutes later after the fact. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta go back and get it. Yeah, they save Aerith from falling over a ledge because she pushed. Like they just, they're just omnipresent in that scene. Every little element. Like I didn't need to drop that chandelier. The guy wasn't even standing under it. They could have just picked her up and brought her back up. Like no, Cloud needs to drop a barrel or a chandelier or something. I don't know. Make him drop something from above. That happened in the original, right? Yeah, that happened. That that scene was about like, hey, if you were not, like, on the ball enough to pick up what was going on up until this point, here it is, basically. It's like, were we too subtle before? Sorry, here you go. (laughs) Do you get it now, everyone? And every moment forward is just another moment. And it all culminates into the final couple of chapters of the game. I really say chapter... Mm. I mean, they, they show up a lot before this still, but chapter, chapter 16 through 18 is where, 
there's a bit of inconsistency in when they do and don't show up, but they they show up a lot and uh, change change the course right back the way it was supposed to go. But then there's still some things I don't even understand about that. Like the one thing that happens, we don't fight Jenova in the original, but I mean, I guess with Sephiroth trying to, or at that point we don't fight him, but you know, I guess with you know the clones and they were like, ah, you know, I guess it's okay if you fight them, just he can't die. You know, just yeah. that's all that really matters. And saving them on the highway when Cloud's an asshole. And he's like, yeah, it's, it's it'll be fine. I'll chop the blades off. Nothing bad will happen. You know, the the whole thing's coming crumbling down. We'll make sure it doesn't fall. <laughs> all sorts of really weird places where they show up, like, towards the end that are still super meta and important. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I'm like, I didn't need you right now. Save Barrett. But I didn't, I didn't really need you right now. And it's that's the big thing is like they just show up so much. I'm surprised that I'm not bothered by it more because you don't need those elements to show up to get me to do the things you want me to do. No other game needs them to get me to go in this direction. So they mm-hmm. clearly wanted them there for more of a reason than they were really needed. Hmm. That's okay. How I so feel. we're not we're not even talking about the the, the matter here. We're like speculating as to. Why they're included as a narrative device? Yes, I think I think that is probably like the simpler question out of any of the questions that we could make of these guys, um, and it, it's simply because we already know how Final yeah. Fantasy VII goes. We already mm-hmm. we already know the plot. If somewhere in the back of our heads we're not sure, then we're going to find the sequel much more interesting. If we're going into the sequel. Not thinking that we're just gonna, we're just gonna coast and it's just gonna be like a perfect recreation of Final Fantasy VII. Then we're gonna be more, we're gonna be more engaged and we're gonna be more interested. Um, and I think if, if we don't go any further into what it may or may not be doing, I think just on that level, it's quite effective, right? Because no one's sure now. Everyone that finishes Final Fantasy VII remake, they cannot say for certain what is gonna happen next. Um, and that as a narrative device, I think is successful, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I find it is, at the very least. I don't want to make any absolutes, cause that's, a, that's dangerous right now. Sure. Well, look, whether you like it or <laughs> yeah, not, yeah. whether, whether you like having that feeling or not, the fact is that it is distilling that feeling in everyone. And if that's what they wanted to do, then they've, they've nailed it. Okay. So now it leads into the, f- the the climax of the game, which is hyper meta and has left so many theories about what's going to happen, what is actually even happening in the first place, and what happened before. Mm-hmm. Because when you combine elements of chapters 16 and 17 that drop references to the compilation of Final Fantasy VII combined with certain scenes and happenings in the final chapter, the word remake starts to make a whole lot more sense than just, hey, we're doing it again. That mm. is a that title is a double entendre and a half as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. As we come towards the climax of the game, the things that we've been learning, Red's been telling us, oh, they're arbiters of fate, whatever, you know, they 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 correct course correct destiny. We then have to fight and defy destiny while being shown glimpses of events that occur in the original compilation of Final Fantasy VII 
and being told that those are the timeline that's attempting to be preserved and that we are now going on a, on a new path. We've come to our, our first, like, miniature conspiracy theory here, which I yeah. want to present with you guys with, okay? The the three shades that we fight, Rubrum, Crusoe, and Viridi. Yes. Uh, the claim is that they're actually the bad guys from... Uh, oh, so this is, from what I understand, this is the Easy Allies theory. This was the mm-hmm. This was the Maximilian theory. And I don't buy it. Not even a little bit. Okay. So... Oh, yeah. The, the the idea is basically like from the weapons they're using, right? Is that um, uh, you've got one with dual pistols, and and you think like, oh, that one's got guns. That's the that's like Barrett's fate. That's got dual guns, and I don't know one one of them from Advent Children has dual guns. One of no, the one from Advent Children weapon. has one gun, and he occasionally borrows one of the other one's guns because they all have a okay, gun. Okay, you're right, but he borrows yeah, 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 Laz's right. gun. All yeah, the time. he borrows one. Yeah. Or, um, sorry, uh, I always mix them up. Laz is the one that uses. I can't remember. Yeah. Loz, I think, is the one that has one fist weapon. Yeah. And so people looking at the one with one fist, and they're like, oh, that's Loz. Yazoo's and then they're pistols. Lo- okay, there you go. Yeah, Yazoo's pistols. Yeah. He borrows Loz. So I was right. He borrows Loz's pistol. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they're looking at the one with the sword, and they're like, oh, well, that's Kadaj. Um, there's that and the fact that when you assess them, it says that they're from some future timeline. They're trying to preserve a future timeline. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't buy it either. Um, I don't think that those are the three baddies from AC coming back from the future to fuck you up. I think that's dumb, but I think it probably is an Easter egg. No, so here, so here's the big thing. Here's here's the reason why I don't buy. It. So here, here there's a there's a collect a few collective reasons why people buy into that theory. One, the name of the track is has the word Advent in it. That track mm-hmm. that plays that entire sequence has the word Advent in it. That's mm-hmm. actually a big. Major factor that plays into that the- that theory's credibility. Two is they have similar weapons and use the same magic. Mm-hmm. And three is they're from the future. So they want to preserve a timeline. There's... I can't say that that's wrong. That would It would be dumb to say something like that is wrong. I can say I don't buy into it. Okay. Because th- the starting party of Advent Children, of the bad guys, are literally meant to be direct representations of... The OG cast. That's why one's fist weapons, one's guns, one's mm-hmm. sword. And they even prioritize the material. When they steal the party's materia, they even use the same elements that the party mm-hmm. starts with. Cloud starts with a fire materia. Barrett starts with a lightning materia. Tifa starts with an ice materia in the original. And guess right. what? Cloud faces the sword guy with fire. Mm-hmm. Barrett faces the lightning guy with guns. And Tifa faces the light with the fist guy with ice. Like, right. It's so, so like so there's the, so there's there's it's a triple parallel between the three. So this is that. this is where the whispers are, and then these are the, this is the Advent Children path. And this is just the OG hero path. So so what so what you're saying is the reason these whispers resemble the assassin. Uh, I was about to say Assassin Creed. Um, Advent Children uh, baddies is because the Advent Children baddies uh, represent the OG trio. Yeah, and on top of that, as chats bring up, they also summon Bahamut in the movie. They summon Bahamut yes. Sin, in particular. Yes. Yeah. They, they bring it up, and they're like, hey, rip that shit off, because we're pretty sure our mother's in there. All right? And then, for some reason, Barrett's got, like, a mesh shirt on. He's going through, like, a midlife crisis or something in Advent Children. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. And his gun can suddenly, like, tear, like, fucking, yeah. like, Matrix form. and just, I don't know. It gets weird. Sorry, I hit my mic. I I don't think there's an answer to what they are, actually. Because I no. think there's so many parallels drawn that they don't want an answer. 
I don't, I don't think it can, you can just say, oh, it's the OG heroes. Oh, it's, it's the villains from, I don't think that's the point of it at all. No. Because guess what? They're, they're dead and they don't matter anymore. <laughs> you can, you can say like, all right, it might be an Easter egg or it might be like a nod or a reference to them, but to say it's like literally them is dumb. I think. And it, like you say, it doesn't matter. It's also really weird that of all the things the Whispers would use to try and course correct, they choose them. Mm-hmm. People who lose in the future. Well, <laughs> well <laughs> I mean, that's, that's where we come to, uh, man, okay, we're like infringing on the big, the big conspiracy well, that's, I think all the conspiracy theories infringe on each other is the big thing. Yeah. So, so okay, well, to answer that, the, the, the answer would be, well, because... The fate is um, a um, uh, basically it's the planet, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an, an appendage of the of the planet, the planet which is infected with Genova cells. Yeah, because um, he's been in the and, live stream and he can't properly join the live stream because which yeah. something we wouldn't know yet, mm-hmm. but something you would learn later. Yeah, and the possibility that. Severoth could be manipulating the planet's will in the same way that he manipulates the will of people that are infected with Genova cells. But at the same time, he wants us to defy fate, which is another weird thing. He's like, come on, follow me and destroy the whispers. And hell, Mm -hmm. we'll even, you know, we'll pull a future. Because here's another thing. I'm still not even convinced the Sephiroth that we fight the end is the one that we're fighting. I'm pretty sure that's just a whisper version of that timeline Sephiroth, which would then make mm-hmm. sense even further to support the other theory that it's Kadaj, Laz, and Yazu, and then when they come together, they form Meteor, all get absorbed into a whisper Sephiroth, as you said, tainted by the life stream. Mm-hmm. Alright, I, I, I think this is a good place to dive into it, because I think it's going to give us a, um, a vehicle to discuss like the rest of the points in this final chapter. So, so hold on for a sec. Slide. This is very pro- this is probably very very far from where you were eight hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> when you saw this eight hours ago, did anything even remotely close to this go through your head? The whole Advent Children thing thing was a stretch, to be hmm. honest. Like, like for me, it's that's not I it. Th- it. I did kind of pay attention to the weapons that they were using, and I kind of thought something, but I didn't go that far. Mm-hmm. As far, like, I just saw them as, like, in terms of the whispers, like Rubrum and the other whispers, I just saw them as, like, the general, I guess the general term would be stewards of fate, or stewards of destiny at that point. And, um, yeah, I didn't really look too much into it. So. Yeah, I think that's most people's first reaction to be like, I don't know what's yeah. even happening. I'm just going to beat these guys. They're part of fate. That's it. That's and I like, think that's the design reaction. Yeah, right. it's either, yeah, like I at least took the like, I at least did the good boy thing and tried to assess them and like, when there was nothing there to like, see battle wise, just read up and oh, oh, okay. Uh, you what, mate? <laughs> you fucking what, mate? Okay. Yeah. It, it, like, I'm, I'm glad they didn't put anything battle there because, like, if there was, like, battle notes, I probably would have ignored that top part with the lore. And I'm so glad that they didn't really put, like, note notes, like, battle notes. 
Yeah, when you assess them, it just says they're trying to preserve a future timeline, pretty much. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that. That's what it gives you. And then when you when you do it with Sephiroth, it just says question mark. <laughs> it's literally <laughs> all says question mark. That was funny. Yeah. So obviously, there's a lot of different ways that you can interpret this, yeah. and I think we can all agree that like the desired effect is for you not to interpret them in any particular way, just to like let it wash over that's you. Yeah. You know? That's not fair, though, because you know yeah, like, people will. Well, no, they, they, they totally Absolutely. want... Here's the thing. They 100% want to drive discussion. But mm, I right. think the whole point is, by the end of it all, that all, all that matters is what the lesson is at the end. Mm-hmm. All of those is- individual elements end up not mattering because we kill them. They're gone. Mm, right. It's a matter of what right. the repercussions of it are. That is really mm-hmm. where, like people have a lot more concern. Because I'll say this. This whole whisper section, I I was just like, what the fuck is happening right now? (laughs) This was beyond way out of left field for me. But Mm. at the same time, I was like, they just wanted a big bad. That's all they wanted for the first game. They needed us to, to, they wanted to give us a reason to like, have some super huge, like, finale qualifying boss fight. It had to be a climax. Yeah, which cl- there yeah. wasn't at that point in the OG. Yeah. yeah. That's, and everything's that's kind of literally built around. It. Yeah, and everything's just built around that. And that I don't think that... I think there's going to be differences, and I think they're making that mm-hmm. clear here, but that mm-hmm. it's still going to pl- probably play out at least similarly enough that it'll mm-hmm. be okay. Okay, I'm on board with that. Let's, again, just as like a vehicle for discussion at some of these points, let us go with the absolute most buckwild reading of all this crap that's going on. Okay. 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 The claim is Final Fantasy VII Remake is a sequel. Requel. Time, time traveling Sephiroth already failed in the future and travels back to alter the timeline. That is the claim. That it's a sequel. Okay. So point one, Nomura in an interview in 2017 claims that the compilation, so Before Crisis, Crisis Core, uh, Advent Children and Dungeon Oh, Covers, I, I remember this interview. They are not part of the remake's continuity. He said that in 2017. The, the direct quote is, there is no more continuity between the compilation and the remake for the moment. So people people have taken that. People have kind of like jumped on, on the extreme for that and taken that to mean that the compilation is is not canon and will not be canon for the remake. Right. Not I, quite that, that was what I jumped on because I assumed, okay, so mm. like, okay, they're throwing Genesis out of the way. They're throwing mm-hmm. Advent mm-hmm. Children. That was my first reaction to that. That's why I remember that interview. Mm-hmm. But that's not quite what he said. Again, what he said was there is no more continuity between the compilation and the remake for the moment. Okay, so that's point number one that people like to that people like to jump on, that it's gonna like retcon, it's like a new sort of alternate timeline, but it's technically like Sephiroth and maybe Aerith are from like a time beyond Advent Children sort of jumping back. Um okay, the second one, one of the things that Sephiroth says, um and I think Mike, you first pointed this out to me, seven seconds till the end. Time enough for you, perhaps. I wonder what you will do with it. And, of course, in the original game, Sephiroth spends seven seconds in the air before impaling Aerith. Exactly seven seconds. So it implies that this Sephiroth that we're fighting has knowledge of future events, right? 
Yeah. Um, and again, the, 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 the assumption in this conspiracy theory is that it's because he has already been to that future. He's already experienced that. Um, we know there are a bunch of flashbacks of future events, like from the original game when we're fighting the whispers and fates, um, including like several implications of Eret's death. And that's like, you know, like the materia dropping cloud, like lowering her into the water. There's, there's like a whole lot of kind of like flashes of that, right? I, I have throughout. a lot to say about those flashes, but I'll let you finish the conspiracy theory. Cause after okay. our conspiracy theory, right. we got to get to our theories. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> Which are also good, good. conspiracy. Because our theories are going to be like a contradiction to this. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. Aerith, um, seems to have knowledge of the future too. Um, she kind of anticipates a lot of things. Like her characters are very different. Um, in the the remake, she seems to like know things that are going to happen before they do. Um, Marlene and Red both see flashes of something when they touch her. Um, Red specifically saying like he saw something that was like going to happen if they failed. Um, Tifa keeps asking her like straight up, like, what are you not telling us? There's something, you know, that you're not telling us. And Aerith's like, mm, I'll never tell basically being coy about it. Um, she makes the singularity to defy destiny in the first place that like we step into, which may imply that she knows what's coming. Um, okay, we got the, the thing about the whispers. We got the whispers themselves first appearing when Sephiroth first diverts the timeline. So the idea that like um, that first scene that we have with Sephiroth kind of visiting Cloud and trying to control him like in the, the alleyway and all that isn't just something they've added for the remake. It's like Sephiroth's first kind of change that he's made that the fates are trying to fight against. And they hold Aerith there. We already talked about that. Um, and then basically the fact that the Whispers are trying to steer the story on the path of the original game, which Sephiroth is like on the other side of and sort of trying to defy them at every step. So it's Sephiroth that's like driving those diversions and then the Whispers that are trying to like bring it back each time. Um, the final sequence of Aerith enable, uh, enabling us to defy fate basically solidifies the remake as an alternate timeline. Um, it lets both us and Sephiroth do things differently. That's what this claim is. I think that final part of the claim is not inaccurate. I think everything mm-hmm. leading up to it mm-hmm. is deductive. He does, yeah, he doesn't have to be from the future yeah. to do that. Yeah, all right. Like, I think it's just okay. as plausible to end, like, that whole ending mm-hmm. to literally just say Sephiroth spent five years on the live stream and saw... Yeah, Saw things. Saw things, yeah. I mean, the Whispers literally can show us by touching them, and he's been living in the life, he's he's, he's been floating through the life stream for ages, you know? Well, that's that's the canon, right? Is that it changes nothing from the original game. It's just a point of, like, well, if the planet is omniscient and can see the future and can, like, plan things, then it would make sense that Aerith, who is an ancient and is in touch with the live stream, would have some of that power and Sephiroth having been immersed in it for five years would also have some of that power. But, um, uh, I guess the, uh, the, the sort of, um, the conclusion is theory is that where we stand right now, Seth Sephiroth is able to win whatever that means, like permanently win. Um, but we are also able to stop him more permanently than the seventh compilation because the seventh compilation ends like as we see in advent children he can just keep coming back yeah any any remnant of genova cells he still 
has some sort of manipulation over connection too. Yeah. yeah Cause he spent all the yeah. time in the live stream. So like, I mean, he even geostigmas yeah. is, is his thing that he's been, you know, cooking yeah, up yeah. while he, he tries to come back. Yeah. So like the implication at the end of advent children is like, well, we didn't actually really beat him in original final fantasy seven. Like there are always going to be Genova cells in the live stream. It's corrupted the live stream and he can use them to, come back again and cloud is always alive and as long as cloud's alive no matter what he has one solid connection that that Mm -hmm. that no matter what as long as that body that person is alive and even Mm -hmm. if cloud were to die he'd go theoretically you know go back to the life stream and it's the same problem all over again they're stuck in a perpetual loop of never being able to actually defeat him so Mm -hmm. are we thinking that remake is the end of this loop well, that's that's the idea. Yeah. Is that I would buy from, into that. That that from, see the conclusion of that theory you just mm-hmm. said makes more sense to me than any of the context that got them. There. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, this is my conclusion. Like looking at the conspiracy okay. theory, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, well, what could that mean? Um. So okay, but but it works for both of us. Like for Sephiroth, it means that he can change things so that he wins, and for us, it gives us an opportunity to conclude things so that. It doesn't go the direction of Advent Children. Perhaps we can find some more like permanent means of disposing it. Not to mention, I'm not going to lie, we're, throw Advent Children out the way, because chat got ahead of me on this one. The original mm-hmm. game ending is a bad ending. Because <laughs> Holy oh, fails to stop Meteor, the life stream yeah. has to step in and finish it, and humanity is dead completely 500 years later. Yes. Um, so so in the in the OG, it's kind of like implied, you know, you see um, Midgar all overgrown and red, like looking out over it 500 years later. There's no like traces of humanity, but people were kind of like... No, Katase in an interview. Everyone's already gotten ahead of me in the chat. 2005, yeah. Katase, in an interview. Yeah, he did. He came out and said, all humans been destroyed by the planet. That's Done. it. Yeah. So maybe yeah. maybe with a second take, we've got a way to like prevent that from happening. Yeah. Um, okay. So some of, some of the other counters I've got to this whole, like, you know, Sephiroth is from the future traveling backwards. Um, the first being to uh, the claim that the compilation is no longer canon. That was from an interview in 2017 with Nomura. Um, in March of this year, so a little over a month ago, um, when asked about the use of uh, musical arrangements from Advent Children in the the OST, I don't know if you guys noticed that, but there's there's one track, yeah, that's part of the um, the Advent Children OST, which is also in the remake. Um, so Kitase explains, and this is a direct quote: "All of the lore from the works created after the original game, the compilation of Final Fantasy VII, is very much." in the base of the canon for the remake, and going forward it will be too. So he's pretty much contradicted at that. No, so here's there's there's a very important distinction you have to make between canon, canon and continuity. And continuity, exactly. Yes. You can have something, anything that's created by the original like person who's like created the world, the lore, that's all canon, mm-hmm. but you can have different events take place in different continuities that don't even have to be different timelines, per se. They mm-hmm. can literally mm-hmm. just be pulling from the same lore and the same basis. A, an okay example, but not quite to this level, is actually the original Fabula Nova Chrysalis. 
entries, which all pulled from the same lore, the same mythology, but were all completely mm-hmm. different stories and worlds. They weren't different yep. continuities, per se, so it doesn't really line up exactly, but you can, um, you can do that. You can, you can, you can have lore that's all relevant. And they make sure to throw that in our face a lot in the last two chapters, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting that, like, previously, based on that 2017 interview with Nomura, a lot of people were saying, like, nothing that happens in the compilation will have any impact on the remake whatsoever. Yeah. And now from what Kitase said, he said, no, 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 no. All of that shit is really, really important to the remake and to the remake's lore. It might I know what happen. Sly's smiling about. I know what Sly's smiling about right now because someone told because Sly actually had to explain this to me, which is a much better example in that of Persona Two because he literally oh. explained this to me. He explained this, I think, in TBG One how Persona Two takes place in a separate continuity from the Shin Megami Tensei, but still pulls from all. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. How the mainline SMT takes place. Well, Persona. It all yeah. takes place in a different continuity than mainline. Yeah. yeah. Literally, we yeah, had that discussion on the first TPG when we were talking about Persona mm-hmm. 5. Yeah. yeah, we did, actually. Yeah. Um, but but that's interesting. Is like we, we will see the remake pull on all of that stuff, all of those stories, all those characters. They are still very important and very, very central. It's just not necessarily going to play out in exactly the same way as it did in the original compilation, right? Right. Um, so that was the first counter. Um, the second one, which we already touched on, is that the live stream is omniscient. It has a plan for the future and for the trajectory of the plot as a result, right? Yeah. Um, the remake establishes that, that destiny is a function of the will of the planet. Well, Aerith is connected to the planet, is connected to the live stream, and presumably has glimpses of that omniscience and can anticipate things and has an idea of what's coming and how it's coming. And that's not necessarily a different timeline or the fact that Eris has been to the fucking future and, like, traveled back somehow or whatever. It's literally just them fleshing out her character more and being like, this makes sense for her character, that she has these powers. If we've established that the planet works this way, she's connected to the planet. And then Sephiroth, of course, having spent so much time immersed in the live stream, would also have had glimpses, would also have had, you know, some idea of how things were going to turn out and what he could do to make them turn out differently. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's easy to pick up for Sephiroth, but for Aerith, where's the point of divergence for her in the original timeline where she, she jumps? Where's the point? Where's that? Point? Where's that's where? Where does the theory say that she like probably the, before it even begins? To be honest, but yeah, yeah. I mean, is, is, it, like, claim- right, is it like right at her death, or is it like beyond that? I don't know. She jumps to this timeline. I, I mean, mean you can even one. see that era. So there's Jackie's getting way fucking ahead of me because they <laughs> we're we're trying. I've got so much because a lot of people have been listening to me spout on about this as I've done my speed run right. of it. Um, yeah. In that, uh, yeah, Aerith, Aerith in the original is probably our biggest indicating point of how the rest mm. of this will probably play out. Because the number mm. one thing is that it is, is the very clearly stated, and I think safe to assume is correct representation that the whispers are a will of the planet, which mm. is not at all a foreign concept from the original game. No, not at all. Aerith has a lot of, well, I'm hiding shit from you in the, in the original game too. It's not displayed as well until you get a lot closer to her death. 
but she does it a lot more here. And it makes me wonder how much in their heads, the writers and the developers, how much in their heads this was actually taking place in the original where she's hearing these whispers and seeing glimpses of the future. Because she she knows shit in the original, too, and keeps that mm-hmm. shit from us. Yes, absolutely. And a lot of and it's a lot of it's because she hears the voices of the planet. She feels the planet at all times as a cetera, which is normal because the planet likes the cetera. The planet <laughs> doesn't mind the cetera. <laughs> the planet can tolerate the cetera. It's everyone that's, else who's fucking awful. That's probably the most accurate way to put it, honestly. Um, so, okay, I, I, I think I think we can all agree that like the idea of Sephiroth and Aerith being time travelers gone. We're not on board. Not, with that. No, not at not all on board, on board with that. It's it's far well, more. Sly, we aren't. Sly, I'm pretty sure isn't as well. I don't think Sly will believe Sly, anything because board. of Persona. <laughs> so we can hate if you. you. Get, if you get on board, we will we will beat you. All right. We will come over there and we'll kick your ass if you get on board this this dumb, dumb train. You can be on board with everything else, just not the time-traveling bits. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not I on board? SM- nah, I played enough SMT to know. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm... No, I'm actually on board. I'm still on board. Fuck, fuck y'all. <laughs> no. You pre-ordered tickets. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I've been on this train for God knows how long. Y'all can't talk oh, me geez. off this goddamn train. Um, well, okay, so, so. I don't actually my, know where he stands with it after that. Now I'm actually confused. I, I think Sly's no, saying that he would be, like, totally cool with time travel. No, okay, being okay with time travel is one thing, but are you on it just uh-huh. for contrarian sake, or are you on it? No! Be- no, it's actually believable. It's believable, but do you believe it? Yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Yes. All right. Yes. Well, okay. R- regardless of whether, I mean, I, I think Mike and I are, are right. I'm sorry, Slab. Time travel in this context is stupid. They're fleshing out the original <laughs> characters more and more. I mean, we've been saying that, like, Jesse's character is way more interesting. Biggs and Wedge, more interesting. Cloud's more interesting. It makes sense that Aerith and Sephiroth have got, like, more of a character, more characterization to him as well. They can see parts of the future. Um, the thing that people really worried about, either way, the consequence of this being that the most powerful, the most important moment of the original game, being Aerith's death, will be is that going to be circumvented? Is that going to change? Question, so that is a great question, and it's one I do. And I I feel confident in my opinion, but I don't feel confident mm-hmm. saying a hundred percent. You know how I feel about saying I one hundred percent believe something. When I'm committed, I'm committed, and I have an opinion, but it's not all the way committed. I'm committed. So, okay. so here's sure. here's here's the thing. In several interviews, I I don't have them sourced, but I I have them somewhere in my in my in my folder. It has been stated they wanted to preserve all of the most impactful moments of the original. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. they've they've taken some liberties with that because, like I mentioned earlier, one of my favorite scenes is how they completely rewrote the way that uh, we get to Aerith's room or what what the room or the prison cell is instead of a oh the Turks found us in an elevator and put us in jail bullshit ex- explanation you know. Like they, mm-hmm. they got all, they got, they got all that out of the way and they completely changed that. 
I expect the liberties like that to be taken even with the most influential scenes. I think Wall Market's actually the best example of of that. Oh, Honey mm-hmm. Bee is a big, big example of of modernizing our expectations while still completely preserving the events and the importance of it throughout the original. When it comes to Aerith's death, mm-hmm. there's a lot that goes into whether or not you believe she'll live or not. And it's how much you believe, how much you believe they want to preserve the original scene's mm-hmm. emotion, emotional impact. And I think she's dead as shit, and I think she already knows it, even after everything we've already done. I think she still knows that she's fucking dying, regardless of I, everything that happened here. I agree with you. I feel... I feel that though the scene itself doesn't get preserved. I mm-hmm. I agree with that. I think she still dies. I don't think it's the iconic scene. I actually don't no, no, think no. that I will think be how far, she dies. I think it's far beyond that. I think it's like at the end. I think we kill her off based on what we do, based on our actions, quote unquote, with the timeline. Like we're gonna have to like. We have, well, I believe it'll get to a point where we have to set things straight. And Aerith is one of the consequences of that. Bro, I think she's gonna, I think she's gonna run into an, I, you, you ever see, you ever see, um, what's, what's the phrase at this you would know? Falling on your mm-hmm. own sword? Yeah. I think she's gonna, she's gonna off herself when the time comes. She, she's gonna, she's gonna become a martyr? Is that what I, you're, I, you're I think she's gonna, I think she's gonna off herself when, I think, I think, you're moving gonna, in the right direction there. I think you're, we're gonna save her. I think we are gonna <laughs> save her on that scene. I think, I don't think Sephiroth's gonna kill her in that moment. I think she's gonna kill herself in that moment. Alright, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna blow your minds here. Um, a lot of people were worried that us killing the fates, defeating destiny, defying destiny, breaking free of destiny, whatever you want to call it, it's full was shit. a fuck was a function so that Aerith could live and that Aerith herself maybe instigated that so that she could live. Hmm. That's not why Aerith wants to break destiny. Aerith wants to break destiny so we can find a way to like properly defeat Sephiroth. Yeah. Sephiroth wants to break destiny as well. Sephiroth wants to change the future. Sephiroth is the one that doesn't want Aerith to die. Yeah, that's that's been a pretty common theory because he knows that yeah. that that activates everything and that puts them on the the path to the northern yeah, crater the, the and everything. Only, yeah. The only reason Holy manages to destroy Meteor and save the planet is because Aerith is dead and she's in the live stream and she's you know giving it that final push. If yeah. Severoth has some um, knowledge of the future, he knows that. If Aerith has some knowledge of the future, she also knows that. And she knows that they can't win unless she is dead. Yeah. I, I, I firmly agree with that. I, 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 so, I think she's dead. I think no matter what, she's dead. And you know what? There's context to know that she knows she's dead. Already in the game. Hmm. Yeah. There's an optional oh scene. Don't, don't fall in love with me. Yes. That kind don't of... fall in love with me. Most yeah. people have seen that. There's three different ways that scene plays out. One is Barrett talking about old Avalanche members. Heartwarming, but not super important, unless you know these characters from other tales spun in the compilation of Seven. There's Tifa, mm-hmm. who has the most romantically emotional moment with Cloud that I think that has ever happened, in which he actually learns what a hug is. 
And three, and the probably the most important canonical scene is Aerith speaking to him through the live stream in his sleep. And warn and telling him no matter what. Because she already knows what what his emotional response is to her death. Mm. I I think Aerith having knowledge or or having anticipated her death will make that scene more powerful. They're not they're not gonna like pull the rug out from under it and take that away from people. I think it's gonna be made more powerful and more poignant by the fact that she knows. And I think it's also gonna be made more powerful and more poignant by the fact that Sephiroth is going to be doing his best to prevent it. Because again, if we're on board with them both having some glimmer of uh omniscience of uh, that's that's not the best term for it. If they've seen something through their connection with the live stream about how things are going to play out, yeah. then um, once again, she's she's going to be the one that knows she has to die, and he's going to be trying to prevent it, and it's going to happen anyway. Uh, yeah, I think she's dead, and I think she knows she's dead, and we're going to get there, and people can think she's going to live. I think she's just not going to die the same way. That's the only difference that I think. She's not mm-hmm. going to die the same way. I, I, okay, I'm gonna put out a wild prediction. I think she is gonna die the same way. Sephiroth's gonna be aiming for someone else. Maybe for Cloud. And she's gonna take the blow instead. Something along those lines. I think it's a little too, I don't think that's climactic enough. I feel like they need something mm. a little bit more climactic than that. Yeah. But. Maybe. I, I, I just don't see her living. And I think mm. she knows that. And I also, I'm a skeptic about one thing in particular that this everyone's been shoving down my throat for no, it's literally explained in the game. And I'm like, I don't believe a word anyone says in this fucking game. You know, the two people who I don't trust any words that come out of their mouth the most Aerith Mm. and red. I don't trust either of them. Aerith, We've already established why Mm -hmm. she's, 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 you know, communicates with the live stream. There's a look she gives Red in the final sequence when they see a flash forward of Red and his children in the 500 year mm. future. It's actually the scene from Advent Children that they're using the footage from Advent Children. But it's the which, same scene. Well, no, no. The one in Advent Children is emulating the final scene yeah. from the game, which is 500 yeah. years later, but the Advent Children one is only two years later. It's just yeah. like, oh, look, we did the same thing as the end of the game. It's and the same then shot. Yeah. Barrett asks, what the hell did I just see? And Aerith gives Red a look. <laughs> Literally yeah, the biggest death again. stare I've mm-hmm. ever seen in a fucking video game. And Red goes, that's the future if we fail. And then I'm just like, I don't think you're lying all the way, Red, but you're, <laughs> I don't feel like you're giving me the whole truth right now. Hmm... Because I feel like he's like, well, they haven't seen uh, something they haven't seen yet, but I need to preamble this. Because I'd like to also point out that the visions we see never show Aerith die. No. They, they show Aerith right. praying, the materia falling, and, and in what to the characters is a very skewed image of Cloud dropping Aerith into the water, but you cannot make mm-hmm. out either Cloud... Well, we can, because we know what we're looking for. They deliberately... Uh, Obscure it so you can't tell who either of the characters are. Mm. You can't see when, when I first saw it. Yeah, 
when I first saw that image of him lowering Aerith into the water, I thought it was um, Kadaj in Advent Children where he's lowering the kids in the water and, and mm. curing them of the geostigma because that is a, a mirrored shot as well. And that's the first thought I had and someone was like, oh, that's Aerith. And I was like, oh, yeah. Hmm. The, the conclusion is that it is so deliberately vague. Yeah. The conclusion that they're telling us that we've defeated destiny they're wanting us to feel that the story could go off the rails and they can make any and all changes. Um, and that we are therefore going to have a huge emotional effect when they don't. Yeah. When all these things happen, um, not necessarily exactly the same way, but you know, when it's coming up to time for, for, Aerith to die, and we're still like hanging on to this. Oh, but no, we defeated Destiny. We we did it. Maybe she won't, and then she does anyway. And we get that emotional impact that we got as kids, like all over again, but like you know, hundred times over. That's yeah. that's I think what they're shooting for. I've I've seen chat bring up the one time. I think the first time he gets a flash forward and sees Aerith and the material fall, he has a single teardrop come out of his eye. I read that as an involuntary emotional reaction to the visions. Like, he doesn't actually know what he saw. He didn't see her die. He's not crying, like, oh, she's gonna die. No, he has an involuntary emotional reaction that he can't really explain. So is this from the time-traveling conspiracy theory as well? That no, no, no. This, this, as well? No, no, no. It's, it's, <laughs> it's that he sees, like, because I just said he doesn't see, we never explicitly see her death, which we don't in any of the scenes. But someone's oh. saying that the single teardrop, I mean, no, he did see it. He knows already. Hmm. Yeah. No, he literally has an involuntary, like, because he, 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 he's just like, like, he doesn't even understand what just happened. He's just like, mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. much do we, how much do we think, speaking of like Red, how much do we think Bugenhagen will know? Oh, that motherfucker knows everything. I, I, I can't wait to see that old fuck sitting on his floating ball because. <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. That po- the bottom part of his body isn't part of his body. He's sitting on a ball. You know that, right? He's not. He's not a giant ball, man. I didn't know what I was looking at. To be honest, I'll take your word for it. That hundred. I was he like one hundred and thirty-five or some shit. I think his birthday is in the game. He. I don't know. He's that motherfucker's gonna know so much because he's not Cedra, but he can communicate with the planet. In a, in a way that's unlike any other person. And that's actually, he's actually a big point in reassuring Red that he cannot stay in Cosmo Canyon and that his actual calling in life is to, is to go with the party and see their adventure through. Mm. That's a major point of his original play is he, he tells Red he has to go with them. He's going to be, yeah, Exposition City. He's, he's going to go ham with it there. He is going to be the biggest, most important point for me in part two. Because what he says and doesn't say is largely going to shape the expectation for the rest of whatever part two is. And yes, I'm assuming part two will make it to Cosmo Canyon. I expect part two will make it to the ancient city. We'll get to the scene in with Aerith's death, whatever the fuck might happen. I don't think it's going to take them 30 hours to flesh out Calm, the Midgar Zalem, Janan, and all this other stuff. I think they'll have it much better paced for that, for the rest of the story. I hope so. But that motherfucker is going to know so much. I need it. I need it. Bugenhagen is so important. So, people are are really worried now um, that 
subsequent parts are going to take much larger and more significant tangents. Um, how do we feel about that? Do we think that's likely? Do we think the ending is going to change? Again, we're entertaining this yes. idea of like breaking yes. destiny so that Sephiroth can actually be like properly defeated. Do we, do we anticipate an, a, a different ending? I suspect yeah. it will still be meteor. It'll still be holy. Mm-hmm. It just won't fail mm-hmm. this time. I think there's going to be a major plot change to systematically remove Genova's element from the live stream. Mm-hmm. And that that is the core mm-hmm. goal of it. I'm almost wondering if, if Eric's going to aim wholly at the live stream instead of at Meteor. In a sense. I don't think you aim wholly. Holy is well, just like... Well, she's specifically summoning it to counter. It was... Because because the black material and the white material are really are old tools of the Setra. They specifically use holy as a method of protecting the planet from Meteor. It's AOE. But the, the, yeah. Yeah. So, but, so holy enables the planet to protect itself. That's why in the 500 years later, like the assumption is, well, the planet just decided to wipe out humanity as yeah. well as part of holy. I think, but I, I don't think it's going to play out that way. I don't think holy's mm. just going to be, Hey, stop meteor. Oh shit. It really didn't. Oh, the live stream's coming. Okay. Well, we are fucked anyway. Mm-hmm. I think some sort of some sort of adjustment to the way holy is actually used as a material is going to play a large role, and it's not just going to be block it, block the giant meteor in the sky. Do you think we're going to get tangents along the way? Oh, I just saw to, something um, I would totally believe in my chat. I just saw something I would totally fucking believe. Holy shit! Oh, totally what is that? That, uh-huh. that so after the obviously Zach's probably got Genova cells too in him. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, yeah. Sly already knows. I would buy into that. Oh, I would, okay, I would buy into Zach being a Genova clone and being All right. the primary yeah. vessel. I would a hundred percent buy. Yeah. I would one hundred and ten percent buy into. I don't think it's how it'll play out. I would one hundred percent buy into that. Well, let's talk about that. Then is is Zach alive? No. Well, if if this theory sort of. <laughs> yeah. Schrodinger Zach is Schrodinger Zach. Yeah. At the same time, Because I've seen a lot of people get really mad about that because, again, that's one of the big sort of emotional parts of the the compilation. So here's the big thing. Here's where I think that time theory that we mentioned earlier really comes into play. Mm -hmm. Um, I think no matter what, they were were never going to show Zack die here. Mm -hmm. I think that that Mm -hmm. should not have been people's expectation. I didn't expect them to show those scenes in the first place. Obviously, I don't think anyone did. But I think even after seeing those, I was like, well, there was no chance they were going to show Zach dead here. They weren't going to casually show the passing of the reins of Zach to Cloud, where the Genova cells kind of assimilate his memories and personality from the moments they specifically spend together. Because that's what ends up happening is Cloud just replaces himself with Zach, but only in sequences where they're both there. Mm -hmm. Um. So when they showed that, that was fine and all. I could I could accept him living that. Honestly, I had nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine health there in Crisis Core. I should have won anyway. It was bullshit. So that's realistic to what should have happened. I wouldn't have had nearly that many inju- injuries, and it was fucked up that they forced me to lose that fight. Um, the big we didn't thing, see the whole scene. No, we don't. We see the whispers yeah. are there, though. And the, so if the whispers are there, that means fate's being defied in that moment as it is. Because they are, should only be showing up when something that's not supposed to be happening is happening. Mm-hmm. 
And they're trying mm-hmm. to push fate in the direction of Zack dying, which I think is the entire point of them being there. They're also trying to prevent mm-hmm. him from ever getting to Midgar, obviously, mm-hmm. which is why they completely surround that. It's a parallel to the scene. The big thing is something that is so small, but everyone noticed it because it was hard not to, Stamp. They spent all this game showing us Stamp, showing us artwork of Stamp, showing us... But if you look at the thing, it, it says Stamp's Champs. Right, yeah. which I'm which, assuming is the name brand of the chips or the yeah, snack. but implies that Stamp has an entourage of champs, <laughs> which may or may not be other dogs. That's possible, but it's it, I don't feel like they'd they'd make such an effort to zoom in on a different stamp. I think that's the big thing. You either have to subscribe. There's one of three things I think you can subscribe to. It's different stamps. So this is an alternate timeline where Zach got to live. Four mm. months ago, the stamp design was different because that's about the time. I think it's about four to six months is the difference between Zach's death and the beginning of Final Fantasy VII because they were locked away mm-hmm. for almost five years in the laboratory and then they break out in the later half. And theory mm-hmm. number three is what you just said. Where it's just, it's just like they had another, you know, whatever. They got multiple. They got champs. Yeah, or, or that, you know, there's a bunch of different, like, representations of Stamp. But, okay, so my, my main thing about this, people people got so mad because they just... Okay, this, this is the problem. A lot of people are mad about the ending, and they're mad because of things that they're assuming. They're mad because they, they, they see that, and they assume that there's time-traveling bullshit. They see the Zack bit, and they assume that Zack is still alive. Yeah. Zack, like, originally, in the time frame, he, he like, drags Cloud away after this big battle... And then another three soldiers show up and shoot him in the back. Yeah. As it starts mm-hmm. raining. Yeah. Which and I think is the, is directly called upon in the very final scene of the game. And I think they kind of want people to recognize that. Yeah. But in that, in that final scene, like, yeah, he's dragging Cloud away. It hasn't started raining yet. The storm clouds gathering. I feel like. I don't know. We, we might even see the next part of it. That's great. There's a little detail. I love the way they did this. You can find that same bag with a with the mm-hmm. current stamp in Jesse's house when you visit. Oh, really? Mm. I love that they did shit like that. I love that there's things that you can... I Because obviously I didn't know that before this moment. Because mm. I've generally avoided like reading the conspiracy theories before this discussion because I did not want them mm. to shape how I felt about. It. And this is why, because if I had seen that before coming onto the show, would have a hundred percent changed all of my like initial discussion points and shit. Uh, yeah. Um, I I think this is another case of us. We shouldn't jump to conclusions, you know. Yeah, and we're still going to. Look, I think I think it's cool to speculate. I think it's really cool to be like wondering from now until the next part, like, oh shit, is Zach alive? And yeah. who knows, like maybe the next part will even open with like the rest of that scene of Zach dying. I don't know. What I don't understand is how people take one interpretation of this speculation and they're like, mm-hmm. oh Zach is alive, or oh, Sephiroth is time traveling, and they get so fucking mad about it. Yeah. When <laughs> it's like it's so vague that you could not possibly uh, take it like for given that that's what's happening, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think I that's kind of that. that's really the point of this because they knew mm-hmm. what was going to happen. There's no way they couldn't mm-hmm. have just been like, yeah, everyone will be like, great, <laughs> if they're done. There was yeah. never a chance of that because they needed it to have cliffhangers, mm-hmm. open mm-hmm. plot threads. 
but also mm-hmm. have a finale. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's it's all over the place with all the theories, and no one can say anyone's wrong. That's the only thing that gets me upset. It was people say no because of this. Because I can this is the internet as a whole. If I want to prove anything, I can find it doesn't not even about seven. I can find information that supports what I believe. It's mm-hmm. It's that's just how information and deduction works, especially with the power of the internet. I, I firmly don't believe any one thing is entirely right, but none of it's wrong. And I just want mm-hmm. to speculate and have other people speculate, disagree mm-hmm. with their speculation, and then disagree with my speculation. And that, and we can do that, and that's a thing. Mm-hmm. But the truth isn't in there. The truth, the, what, whatever is like real, whatever is happening, it is not in the game. And it is so deliberately not in the game because again, they want us to talk in circles around it for the next two yeah. years to generate hype for the sequel. And we're going to buy the game. We're not going to be sure what happens and it's going to be effective. Now, I know how we're going to feel about this, but Sly, you haven't played Final Fantasy VII, the original past Midgar. In over 20 years. Yeah, on like my Steam playthrough was like maybe three years ago. And that's where I stopped. And you stopped at where part one ended. Ironically enough, yeah. you stopped literally at the same spot. This cannot all be how you feel. None of this can be how you feel. Well, all of what Ethis and I are fucking nerding about cannot even remotely <laughs> begin to be what you feel right now. Nope. Not so while we have given you zero opportunity to talk, because we never want to <laughs> shut our fucking mouths, mm-hmm. I need to know what you subscribe to, what you don't subscribe to, and why. Badly. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> there's so much interpretation of this that I just need to hear it from somebody who hasn't had weeks to to, to absorb it. I subscribe to time travel because I always subscribe to time travel. Fuck you, Ethis. Leave me alone. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. God. It's possible. It You're may, 100% right. It, it, you know, it, but it, I remember it, I said it, the it beauty of it was agreeing. It may not be necessarily time travel. It may be an alternate universe. There you go. Let's alternate timelines. I accept alternate timelines. I just don't believe Sephiroth went back in time. I don't believe that. I mean, but- isn't that generally what an alternate timeline is, going back in time to No, because you can a... change the future without being from the Wait. future. You just said that it doesn't have to be time travel, but it has to involve Sephiroth time traveling. <laughs> no, I said that, and then he corrected it. No, he was just, so, so he was just saying that having an alternate universe, having an alternate timeline mm-hmm. should be with... Implies you know, time travel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm just saying you can... See, this is what I mean. Like, we can have a discussion. He can believe that Sephiroth's from the future. I believe that it's an alternate timeline based on Sephiroth seeing the future, not being from there. You just don't like Time Lords, do you, fucking Athos? I fucking love Time Lords, dude. I absolutely love them. I just... I, I really, really think that this is the same story as the original... Mm-hmm. Then in the in the same way that we went and hung out with Jesse for several hours and you know stole her from her catatonic father and um, you know listened to everyone having pizza with her mum, they fleshed out her character, they fleshed out Cloud's character, 
They flesh yeah. that Sephiroth and Aerith's character. Yeah. It's just giving us more of the same story. But mm. ultimately, it's the same story. Yeah. There's also That's this theory I, I, yeah. I don't subscribe to, and I'll let you get back to yours in a second. That just because he has his wing, it's Advent Children. It's like that's they know how much what? of you know how much of a hard on they have for the literal one winged angel for the, for the last twenty three years. That yeah. is, I don't immediately buy that being. I mean, again, I can't say that it's not true because it could be because we mm. know that Crisis Core, and I'll talk about that in a few minutes, is a hundred percent, not all a hundred percent. Somewhat canon, you know, the mm. events of, of Crisis Core. Obviously, they largely discuss something that's not really up for debate. Yeah, his, but his wing is his trademark, so I don't, I don't subscribe mm. to that. I don't subscribe to it having, any, having anything to do with Advent Children. Well, they were, again, um, Nomura directed Advent Children. Yeah. The game mm. is full of, like, nods to Advent Children, whether it be, the like, locations. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the choreography, yeah. locations, uh, the soundtrack, mm-hmm. the the fucking like you know bike segment. It could still totally be like it, like I I won't rule it out. It's a hundred percent possible that it is direct and reference to Advent Children. And it's playing into that being part of the canon, and it's relevant here. A hundred percent possible. But it's not self evident. It's not. I don't feel like it's self evident, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so slide back to you. You subscribe to time travel. We we've gone past that. We, okay. we don't agree with it, but we get, we will get past it. What yeah, else? That's fine. What else? As far as like theories concerned, um, you've been so you've been subjected to a lot without much time to really come up with one of your own. <laughs> right, right, right. You kind of bombarded him. Yeah. I guess I don't have any really out there theories. It's just. Like you said, I don't have a like I haven't had enough time to process. I had enough time to process the general, excuse me, the general like the initial no time travel theory. That's it. All right. As far as anything else, how about this? Can I ask you some questions and and you tell me what you think? Shoot, down for that. All right. Try this. Biggs is alive. Uh, what about the rest of Avalanche? Wedge, yes, Jesse, no. That's brilliant. interesting. So interesting. I have a question because I, mean, I have seen. Me, okay, okay. Yeah, go, right. no, go for it, Sly. You go for it. I've talked a lot. You go. I, mean, I, I just want to talk so much. From what we saw with the whispers and like Wedge, Wedge's quote unquote final quote, I really don't. subscribe to Wedge not being there. Like, I subscribe to Wedge altering Vince in certain ways, yes, but him not being there completely, I don't subscribe to that. Um, I mean, yeah, we've seen that Biggs is alive. However, I think that'll get corrected. I think a few mm. things, because of because the whole timeline thing, a few things are going to get corrected. There are sacrifices will need to be made later down the line. I'm not sure how. It's just a feeling I have. Okay. Okay, that's fair. Um, okay. I have a question for you. The gloves and the headband 
on the desk next to Biggs. I have seen so much back and forth on if those are Jesse's or if those are Biggs. Yes, they're Jesse's. I am saying no, I don't know because no people have been back and forth saying no, they aren't Jesse's. Yes, they are. Like there are people who say those literally aren't what's on her. And people say, no, right. that's literally what is on her. And when we have a fucking mm-hmm. clear vision of it, it's kind of weird to be at odds with that. Mm-hmm. So you, but, but, so you think she's dead, but you think those are hers? Those are hers. You like, think Pigs her got up? Like, he's like, all right, I'm awake. Oh, plate's falling. Let me just head upstairs real quick. Yeah, and that, that's the question. <laughs> Who got Biggs the fuck out? So, there's actually a, a chat theory that says that that's actually still from the alternate timeline that Zach's in, but it just didn't go as poorly. <laughs> Listen, I, I can't, I can't go against that because... That's such a mess, I can't go It is, a, and that's a big reason why this, is, this has been such a problem to discuss. You can't, you can't have cutscenes in the Final Fantasy VII remake that are not uh, canon to the Final Fantasy VII remake. That's just too I much. I firmly believe he just lived. Because here's the thing. Mm. I, I agree with Sly. I actually think Jesse's dead. I'm confident Wedge is alive. Mm. And we know I'm Big 50%. is alive. Yeah. I'm, I'm confident because he did not get off screen him like that. Come on, man. You can't do that to my boy. It's because some people, right. some people are saying that they were saving him from being killed by the gunner. I was like, they're not going to save him anymore. He's not supposed to be alive. Yeah. I think they did, like, drag him out a window or whatever the fuck they did that. Yeah. I wonder if he's just going to, like, not be able... Like, they're going to just... He's going to be like, um... There's a character from a movie that just literally won't die. And it's not Austin Powers. It's, it's, it's... There's another, there's another, like, movie or franchise where there's a character that just... They, that you keep thinking they're dead. The Black... No, not the Black Knight. No, not... (laughs) Uh, I'll bite your legs. I'll, I'll bite your ankles. I can't remember. It was, it. I mean, there's a lot, lot of characters, lot of that characters that. like that. There's Wild Dog from Time Crisis. There's uh It's a trope. It's a trope. It's a trope. Yeah. Yeah. It's a trope think, where they they they. You think Wedge is going to lean into that? I trope. think Wedge is going to lean into. He's going to he's going to be like the one episode of South Park where they thought Kenny died like seven times and he never did, and then right. finally he does die. Okay, so we know the the whispers carried away Wedge. What the fuck happened to President Shimon's body? Oh, they're fucking experimenting on him. He's going to be a boss later. Oh, shit. He's there. Yeah, 100% his son went... Come on. <laughs> 110% Scarlet is looking at that like... And Hojo are looking at that like... That's an experiment waiting to happen right there. Hmm. Okay. Fair. I'm t- I feel very comfortable in that little prediction right there. Okay, so present another, another thing for Sly, because we got off on yeah. that topic. I'll, I'll, I'll give you another question. Okay, so so we know that the continuity of the compilations have been broken, mm-hmm. but not the law. Right. What other aspects of the compilations do you think they could bring in if you've, if you've, if you've played them or if you're familiar with them? If anything, I think they'd have to kind of touch on Dirge a little bit. They have no choice, yeah. They have no choice. <laughs> and I don't even yeah. remember a lot of Dirge, but I remember the, the mostly important parts. And yeah, they're going to have to touch on something. Like, yeah. Lacretti is going to have to get brought up. 
mm-hmm. somewhere down the line. I mean, with Vincent, I mean... Yeah! <laughs> Vincent's pretty important without really being important in the original, because they, like, cut He's all of his so content. Yeah, but you don't know that until you mm. play Dirge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who does that? <laughs> I think I gotta bring Dick Ground into it somehow. Uh, some people not- think the laboratory under Midgar that you find is not- deeper. No, I think that's literally just mm-hmm. to establish that Shinra is kind of fucked up in the head. I, and then mm-hmm. to, sh- to show you, because I think those are going to be the same, they're slightly differently designed, but I think they're going to be the same monsters that we see in the Nibelheim flashback that we see in the pod. Yeah, Deep, Deep Ground is a city. Deep Ground is literally Deep an undercity. Huge. Under- it is massive. It's yeah. a, it's, yeah, it's like, it's this massive cabin underneath Shinra Tower where Reactor Zero is like underneath Shinra Tower. It's like built around it. But I think I think they're gonna bring Deep Ground in. I think they've got to bring in the stuff with like Chaos and Omega. I really hope that we get all that bullshit about Hojo like dying and then uploading his minds to the fucking internet and then downloading it in like a young a young sexy soldier. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Sly wants to bring dirt. Do you, what about what about Crisis? Because I'm ready to go off about Crisis Core. Sly, do you know? Do, have you played Crisis Core? I mean, how, no, yeah, I have, never did Crisis Core. I okay. never did Crisis Core. So yeah. there's there's like three or four different direct references to it. The first is, mm-hmm. I think, the very first one you encounter. Actually, no, I think there's one before this. Is Kunsel? No, there's definitely one before that. Kunsel was one of uh, one of the the soldiers that you meet. Back in that, he was second mm. class in Crisis Core. He was soldier second class. Um, it's been five years, and he's alive. So odds are he's pre- he was kind of humble. So he might not have ever tried to go up to first class, but he very likely could be someone we encounter along the way. The mm. big one I want to talk about because there's a little bit of mismemory with some people, but I think that it doesn't really matter how you remember it because I think it pretty much confirms my worst nightmare. Hojo mentions looking for a mate for Aerith and enlisting members of Soldier. And he specifically mm-hmm. mentions S and G-type soldiers. Now, I'd like to remind everyone, G-type is not Genesis-type. Genesis was born from Project Jillian, who was injected with Sonova cells, and Angel and Jill is part of the same project. It has a much faster rate of cellular degradation than the S-type soldiers, which come from Sephiroth. So, that is a big thing. But the fact that it's even mentioned means it exists. If Project Julian exists, it's at least, it's highly probable Angel and Genesis at some point existed. Because it's literally the project that birthed those two soldier first classes. And I hate it. Because I fucking hate Genesis. I you know, like hate that. I don't, I don't give a shit what J-pop, J-rock star they wanted to model him after. It doesn't mean you can't, they, you could have actually written him into the story. I've scenes of Crisis and seen Genesis and, yeah. You've probably seen the same <laughs> scene everyone else has seen. Oh, chapter one, Loveless, oh. you remembered. How could I not when you beat it into my head? That little fucking scene. That's no way to talk to a hero. <sighs> <sighs> I hate it. I hate it so much. He's gonna be in it. I feel like he, you literally there's no reason to bring up G-type soldiers from Project Jillian. 
With if you're not going to bring Angel, at least Angel into it, but I have a feeling they're both. I think they're going to completely redesign Genesis because the big problem with Genesis was that they need Gak's permission to ever do anything, and mm-hmm. he won't. Like he literally won't. Why? <laughs> he just doesn't want because they need him. And he's he is him. Yeah, I know it's his likeness. It's his likeness, and yeah. he just doesn't agree to it all the time. <laughs> he just doesn't agree to it ever. Anything that directly uses his likeness in such, like, a discernible manner is such a legal Mm. hassle for them to do. They just never did anything. I think they remake Genesis. I think he gets a complete redesign, but I'm 100% sure he's going to be in it, and I hate it. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. It's so stupid. (laughs) He's so stupid. I think, yeah, Genesis and, like, the Deep Ground soldiers are so Kingdom Hearts. They are. They really are. And they are, I, they are I feel the, like the new era. But we, yeah, I mean, I look at like the look at the won't. fucking Whisper Harbinger. That's so Kingdom Hearts too. Yeah, that's true. But 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 that's such like a peripheral thing. Like we've done that. We've dealt with that. It's not going to come up again. But I feel like if Genesis and Deep Ground get introduced, they're going to have to be like quite salient, and it's just going to inject that sort of cringe Kingdom Hearts cheesiness into what so far has been, like, a very kind of, like, grounded and kind of, I mean, realistic uh, <laughs> depiction of, of, of this world. I hesitate Okay, of the world is a way better way I mean, of putting it. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. aesthetically. I'm just saying, like, aesthetically, it seems like that would be so incongruous to what has been established. And you know what? As much as people like to draw the comparison between the Harbinger and Kingdom Hearts, bro, that's just the first weapon we're seeing. Because the weapons are literally created by the planet to defend it when it thinks it's being threatened. And the Whispers are literally that. They're like weapon type one. And that motherfucker's just, that's the first weapon, so I hope you're ready to fight the rest of them. I don't know That's a fair point. I mean, it's a fair point, but I don't know. I mean, the weapons... Design-wise, I don't know what they're going to do with the weapons, but the weapons, like you said, they're, the weapons are, how would I describe it? It's basically what you said. They, like, once, you know, things happen, when certain things happen in, on the planet, the weapons, you know, appear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the core, and, and I think fate being defied is, is up there in the planet's concerns, given the whisper. That's just fate. That's not the planet itself. But the fate is the will of the planet. We've, we established that in this game. Uh, yeah. I, I think Mike's right. Yeah. I mean, the weapon's a kaiju. Fate was a kaiju. I think that's You just read that out of chat. You read that out of chat. Did chat say the weapons are Literally right there. Weapons will be kaiju fights. (laughs) No, I actually didn't read that. It was so well-timed, like within seconds of it. But, I mean, that's basically what they are. Like, that's how they sort of present. Yeah. Yeah, I think Mike's right. I think we just had, like, the first weapon fight ahead of time. Mm. And now I wonder if we're going to be fighting Omega at some point. I, I think the weapons are going to be a completely di- different monster, figuratively and literally. Hmm. I think the weapons are like the perfect amalgamation of the planet as a whole. And I think they're one of the biggest elements with which to look at the current events and see kind of how it it isn't actually as far-fetched almost as it seems that the Whispers hmm. exist. 
I look at the weapons as kind of the, the blueprint model of the whispers in a sense, and that they, they are way more threatening in terms of like a, a physical presence, whereas the whispers are, mm-hmm. uh, a, to most people, a way more subtle preference. Um, you know, okay. seeing, how, seeing how this is a remake, do we, uh, do we actually fight, um, Sapphire? No. Yeah. No. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think, I think, He's still gonna die the same way, and it's gonna be completely fucked. I, I, I think there's no the justice way, for him. There's no justice think, for Sapphire. I think he'll die the same way, but we have something to do with it. Nope, there's first. no justice for him. <laughs> I have no okay. faith. We're gonna. You're still not gonna. Shit, we're gonna. I'm not even. Dude, not even going on a complete different tangent. Even in 14, he's about to be relegated to a fucking solo instance. Okay. All right. That's a good point. That motherfucker gets nothing. Yeah. No respect. <laughs> uh, poor Sapphire. Now, I will say this. Chadley is a is a pretty interesting element, too. Because yeah. Chadley, you guys, have you guys, do you guys know Ch- what Chadley is? That is, hey, it is really? explained. No. Not too far off, though. Is he another Sephiroth clone? He's an AI. He's an, he is an AI. He is an AI okay. created by Hojo to be an, a, an a lab assistant that has gained sentience and seeks to uh, seek to free himself. When did it say he was an AI? After you beat the optional, the final optional boss. Uh, he he literally gives you a five-minute exposition dump explaining that he was an AI created by Hojo. So I'd have to do hard mode to see this. Yes. Okay. And you know, I want to know what Cloud's response is. He goes through like a five-minute explanation of what he is, why he enlisted Cloud. He's like, you're a being of infinite potential, and through uh, analyzing data of your combat capabilities, I was able to free myself, and now I actually... <laughs> I don't care. No, Cloud, you know, Cloud literally says this. Mm. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> This is cool. One word. And then he asked him, what will you do now? And he says, I don't know. The future is uncertain. I mean, I mean, to be fair, before hmm. Cloud said that, he, he did like a really sick vape trick. Yeah. He yeah. He just took like a huge rip and just made like a, but, a, 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 a vape cloud shaped like Leviathan and was like, cool. Chad brings cool. up, we could fight Sapphire Weapon in Chadley's VR. It's true. We could. Yeah. I would, I would believe that. I would believe that. So you think we still okay? No, like knowing what I know now about Chadley, do we think we still get like VR missions through yes. Chadley or something? He's gonna else? follow us in the rest yeah. of the games. I know he literally says, "I'm still, we're, not, you know, I'm going to continue to assist you." He says that, mm-hmm. so he was, he's a hundred percent going to be a recurring element in the rest of the games. No more mayor is the best dude. I kind of miss that dude. No, probably. No, I think, well, I think eventually when we come back to some of the Midgar elements towards the like later yeah. half of disc two from the original, we'll probably run into Mayor Domino again. We'll probably run into Avalanche again because they've really also a kind of, we've glossed over so much because there's so much to discuss. Mm-hmm. Avalanche has been largely fleshed out. The mayor from the original, who in the original says he wants to see Shinra burn or he wants you to like, you know, he wants to see Shinra damage. He wasn't formally a mm-hmm. member or an informant of Avalanche in that game. And now he's, very formally, and I love what they did with him in particular. 
Um, I like what they're doing with the soldiers with Roche, and I'm curious to see how that evolves. Because he's soldier third class right now. We've referenced Kunsel, mm. who's soldier second class. And I'm curious to see if they keep expanding. Was uh, Roche third class? Yes, Roche is, a, is third class. He's third C, he's 3C. We fight so many of those, and they're so pathetic. Yeah, Roche is, Roche is, a, is a third class soldier. Huh. Um, he's just batshit insane, probably because, you know... He's got a he's got an overdose of the, the Genova juice in his body. Um, we also don't establish if I don't think it's established anywhere if he's S or G type either. But he's probably still he's probably just uh, S type. But we and we also know and this is actually true in the original that they have soldier first class of course, which mm-hmm. was I believe in Crisis Core it's established or maybe not in Crisis Core might be in the original game that after everything happened in in Crisis Core they kind of dissolved first class for the most part. But we also, I think, fight them in the original game later on in Disc 2. We fight Soldier 2nd Class a lot in the second game in Janan when we're escaping. I think when we go back to Midgar, we fight 1st Class Soldiers as well. They basically decided they were too dangerous after Crisis Call, didn't they? That's, that's the what class. I remember. But it might have just mm-hmm. been, they, they might infuse them with Genova cells, but they probably didn't go as ham as they did with, like, Angeal, Genesis, Roche, etc., yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're going after Hoja, yeah. So when you go back to Midgar towards the end, yeah, you do encounter some soldier first class there. And I know you fight them in in Janon for sure, the second class. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm curious to see if they mess with any advancement through soldier, if we see even more of the soldier, like other soldiers other than, I, I think it's without a doubt we'll see Kunsel. We'll probably have to fight Kunsel at some point. And that's going to trigger mad PTSD in, like, the Zack inside Cloud and all that shit. Yeah. Another big thing I thought about, like, down the line with Barrett, mm-hmm. will Dine be any different? Oh, Dine's going to be the one of the best scenes in, in the next part. That's I'm looking forward to that more than any. Because Barrett was actually my standout favorite character in 7 Remake. It was solidified for me in Chapter 13. when I, I was like, I need to see how he reacts to the plate falling. That's going to determine mm-hmm. how well they did Barrett for me. And I went as soon as I saw that scene, I was like, "Okay, you got you. You literally nailed Barrett. He's he's a hip he's he's a hypocrite uh, like Waka is, with having the softest heart, like the fucking soft dad that he is." There's a scene in the elevator. If you take the elevator instead of the stairs, he has a super like dickhead like "fuck you, I hate you" as a character scene there. Really. Where, yeah, where he, he basically calls all, he basically calls all the employees, like, he says, he, he quotes some, like, scripture or some shit and talks about how, you know, just cause you're not evil doesn't mean you're not, like, a part of evil and, like, I don't know, it's, it was bullshit. It was, it was such bullshit that, what he says in there, but then that's, yeah. Hmm. I took the stairs and they were hilarious. The Very stairs nuts. were a hundred percent. I took the hilarious. elevator. The elevator, yeah, the elevator. So you, so you heard him say that shit. Yeah, where I remember. Tifa's the bullshit like, oh, they're just yeah. normal people living, you know, just trying. That, to that make was after it Cloud off. almost sliced the uh, worker in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Cloud's yeah. like, yeah, I door uh, close. Yeah, yeah, it's I couldn't stand him in the elevator scene, which is the canonical scene. It's canonical that they take the elevator, the stairs. Oh, is, really? is a hilarious mm-hmm. reference. Yes, they even tell you later. 
when you when you uh, when you meet Mayor Domino, even if you didn't take the stair the elevator, he references the scene mm-hmm. in the elevator. Where he says you scared the secretary half to death. That's the scene that that Sly's referring to, where somebody opens the door and Cloud yep. goes to like cut them in half and then stops himself. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of wish I took the stairs. Stairs I'll, are I'll, fucking I'll hilarious. I can't wait to see GDQ stair speedrun races. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for stair percentage stair tech. Stair tech. Stair tech. <laughs> I, can't, I can't fucking wait for that for that fucking oh, bonus man. incentive for fucking GDQ because I'm going towards fucking stair tech stair percentage. Oh man, it does seriously take like twelve fifteen minutes. Doesn't it? <laughs> I'm so glad I took the fucking elevator. Then I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, and then, man, how many other fucking things? There's so many things that are like included in this that it really is like a standalone. Like it's it's hard to argue against it being standalone, even knowing how much more there is. <laughs> For me, at least, there is because the more I talk about it, the more like excited I get to talk about <laughs> the it. The more other things come up, and yeah, yeah, it uh... just blows me away. That I can even have a discussion about a game that's 23 years old with uncertainty because it's now being redone and everything. Well, not everyone's happy about that. I'm aware um, of that. I'm, I'm, which I think is so interesting. Very, I mean, I don't think it's wrong to be upset. I think it's very right to be skeptical at the very least. Okay. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll mm-hmm. tell you where it's wrong. I'll tell you where it's wrong to be upset, like objectively wrong. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is a segue into, into a segment. All right. Um, Last show, we looked at Metacritic, okay? Mm-hmm. And we found some uh, some gems there. I want to do that again. I'm calling this segment Meta Metacritic. Meta um, Metacritic. Final Fantasy VII Remake. It got um, 88 for critical scores. Did the Animal and- Crossing, when we referenced this, get like a 50-something? Oh, no, this was in the user scores. Show me those user scores. No, 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 no. Yeah, it was in the user scores. So critical scores were 88. User scores were 8, which is <laughs> very, very positive. Like, really, really oh, okay, positive. Oh, okay, so 8 out of 100. No, 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 no. 8 out of 10. Okay. 8 out of 10. But okay. there were some very, very beautiful gems here. So I'm going to read you right. just a handful of them, and I'm going to let you guys react and, uh, and tell me what you think. Okay. 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 All right. First one. Uh, this is from user Ziki Peak. The game has no textures. That's impossible. They said the day one we'd have patches to fix. Nothing. All lies. It is a shame that a game of this importance emerges without textures. Zero out of ten. Did you guys know that the Final Fantasy VII remake is actually just a, a text-based adventure and that it has no textures? Well, so that's definitely a reference to the fact that there's a lot of popping as things are loading in. So a lot of people wonder why there's mm-hmm. slow, there's so many slow walking sections. It's the game's actually loading. It's mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. in sections where there's one continuous screen. It's it's the equivalent of loading. Um, mm-hmm. And because of that, if you go through it quickly enough, the PS4 doesn't process it fast enough to load everything. So you end up with, especially in Chapter 3, there's a lot of doors that don't have textures um, because of that. Uh, as you go through later parts of the game, there's a ton of points you load in and there's lacking textures. Um, so that's probably what it's referencing, but there isn't no textures. <laughs> no, I don't ever well, recall them mentioning no textures. a day one patch. I think everyone there's no textures. 
And it's zero, zero out of ten. <laughs> I love that. I mean, I, I noticed that as well. I think it's going to perform a lot better on PS5 and, and PC. Obviously, there was a huge yeah. discrepancy between, like, the facial rigs of important NPCs and just, like, background NPCs. There was, like, Seven. a lot of weird stuff like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of weird, <laughs> yeah. weird stuff like that. Hey, Cloud, um, are going to help me with that over there? <laughs> The JPEG skyboxes, they kind of bothered me a little bit until I realized that it That's seemed to be... a reference. Like, yeah, it's a reference, exactly. Yeah. It's like a stylistic reference, which was really cool. But that's that's a 0 out of 10 for this one. Oh, yeah. um, all right, this is from Jake Tavernia. Do you remember that part in the original game where Sephiroth kills Barrett? Then Barrett resurrects just like Jesus Christ? Yes, you're right. That part doesn't exist in the original game, but in the in, in this remake, it does. Now imagine what other kinds of atrocities were added in the remake. For example, a Kingdom Hearts boss, zero out of ten. Did you guys know? And 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 this is crazy because I didn't what realize did it before I read this comment. Did you guys know that they added the the Kingdom Hearts secret super boss Sephiroth in the Final Fantasy VII remake? I. <laughs> why do they? Why is only why Jesus is Christ? I don't remember when when Jesus Christ was hung from the cross, left in a cave, and then was was carried up by a hooded whisper three days later. And don't, you and don't remember when, you don't remember that part in the Bible where where Sephiroth appears behind him. You don't remember being in the Bible? Oh, yeah. So, and the funny thing is that actually is a very meta scene. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of discoveries that have been made, either looking at the files or looking back at interviews about the original game. And, uh, mm-hmm. there's, um, there's, there's a lot of details about the original where, for example, only the three original characters were supposed to survive. No, everyone else was supposed to die. Um, Barrett was actually supposed to be killed. And, uh, originally Aerith wasn't supposed to die. Tifa was supposed to be the one who dies. So there's a yeah. lot, they made a lot of directorial decisions early on. And with so much of the original staff, being on this, including the original lead writer, I have no doubt that they've taken the liberty to kind of live out some of those memories without actually, like, changing certain scenes. I I did find that Barrett moment kind of weird. And also, fighting Kingdom Hearts boss Sephiroth? In a fi- that was weird. That was strange. I like the um, secret ending is Tifa getting her letter to be in Smash. <laughs> 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 Yeah, so that's a zero out of ten. No, he um, wasn't. Yeah, and he also wasn't talking about Sephiroth. He was talking about the whispers, of course. But he said final no, it was, boss. No, he was know, talking about the said, Kingdom Hearts secret boss Sephiroth. Surely yeah. that's that must. Yeah. yeah. Here's another one. This is from uh, Revakun. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Um, I got. I got to make sure that I um. I get his right? syn- syntax correct here. No, no, no. Okay. The syntax. I got to make sure I don't like okay. correct it for him. Um, it's worse than the horrible RE3 remake. The classic mode, it's a joke. Just watch how the game play itself. The times travel excuse, that ruined the story. And also, this game is not complete. Please, adding these stupid side quests to increase artificially the linked, it doesn't do it a good game. Sorry, Capcom, but on the worst competition remake, Square Enix wants you. Zero out of ten. You know, I could have actually accepted the majority of that feedback if not for how it was written. 
I could have been like, <laughs> yes. okay, he wasn't, he didn't really care for the side quests, you know, he didn't care mm-hmm. for the, the timey-wimey stuff. You know, I was like, alright, so those are all fair, mm-hmm. you know, I don't agree with them, but yeah. But then it was written that way, and now I don't know if I care anymore. Alright, try, try this one on. This is from Jim Bob. Final Fantasy VII Remake is an insulting marketing scam directed by a childish egomaniac with no respect for the original game or the fans. This game is not a remake. It's advertising fraud. The core plots and themes have been ripped out and replaced with an idiotic, convoluted train wreck involving the stupidest ideas ever conceived. Time travel, alternate timelines, alternate dimensions, visions of the future, time traveling ghosts from a future timeline that makes audience lose brain cells every time they appear. This is completely different and horrible original story. Square Enix lied. They have lied to their fans for five years straight. Never let Nomura direct or write anything ever again. Square Enix has scammed their fans, and this is the last time they'll ever see my money. He's buying part two. Guess, 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 guess the gonna, score. Yeah, okay, here's what I need you to do guess before you tell me the score. One out of ten. Four. Yeah. You reckon one out of ten? Four out of ten? Uh, four. Eight out of ten. <laughs> oh, so it's satirical. That post is satirical for the most part. I have no yeah. idea. That's a satirical post. That's, that's okay, mocking yes, all. <laughs> because his here's the thing, that's the perfect not. meme. That's, that's literally the perfect meme. I don't know. It did not read to me like No, a, that's, like a that guy is a hundred percent like, he was like, yeah, you know, I had a few problems, but let me write this because it'll be funny. Alright, let me, let me give you one that's definitely not satirical. This is from Nifty Len. I was ready to give this game a 10 out of 10 and immediately start up a second hard mode playthrough of the game as a victory lap of what was 90% one of the most incredible gaming experiences I've ever had. Um, and I'm not going to read this, but he goes on, uh, basically, okay. He, he, he writes a couple of paragraphs about how it was just absolutely fantastic. He loved everything up until the final Mm -hmm. chapter. And then he goes on, I kid you not, a 2000 word rant about Nomura. Okay. I don't read it all. Okay. I want to, no, I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to read it, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to refer back to, no, I'm going to refer back to, I was ready to give this game a 10 out of 10. All right. Up until the last chapter. The final score is zero out of 10. (laughs) Just one extreme to the next. Okay. All right. Okay. One more, one more. Last one. All right. This is from Silver A. I have a giant Final Fantasy VII tattoo on my leg. I'm now ashamed that people might believe that I got it for being a fan of this remake and not because of the original. Zero out of ten. <laughs> Guys, there's three things you don't get you don't get tattoos on. <laughs> One of them is favorite video games. <laughs> it's it's people you've been in people you're in relationships with. Mm-hmm. You just never know. <laughs> Your mm-hmm. favorite video games. And a tramp stamp. Those are the three things you don't ever get done. Oh no, I'm sorry. Then well, I've, I, you've got a tramp stamp. I have stamp? seen an M- no, I've seen an Emmett Salt tramp stamp. No. Yes. In, that ex- in like, life or on internet? The the um the takes all three. Man, FanFest was way wilder for you than it was for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I've seen it on Twitter. I've seen it on Twitter. Like I had to find it, but yeah, I've seen an Emmett Salt like the. The um the symbol for Hades, I guess. Uh tram stamp. And it, oh. it looked good too. I'll say that. Yeah. There we go. 
don't get a tattoo of cloud on your leg and then get upset when they remake the game 20 years later. <laughs> Please. There's so many things. This is why I don't have any tattoos. Cause <laughs> you can, <laughs> it's just never a good idea. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Uh, so that's, um, Meta Metacritic. I hope you guys got as much of a giggle out of that as I did. I got a big giggle. Yeah. If I could, I'm if glad. I could rate it, I would give it 8 out of 10 giggles. <laughs> <laughs> worst, 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 worst section of the, worst section of the show. Hated it 8 out of 10. There you go. See? It's a perfect meme. It is a good meme. I honestly didn't rate it that way, but it is a good meme. Um, it, have we got anything else to, to cover? I, f- I feel like we could talk about this for like six hours, eight hours. Like we, we really just... could. And I, mm. and I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm All down. Right. Let's do it. Fresh pot. Let's go. Right. Let me go get some goddamn no. tea. So, so, okay. Realistically though, what have we not talked about? Cause we've glanced over so many things. The biggest things we've glanced over are little bits in the, in the sequences like Johnny. <laughs> we didn't talk about Johnny at all. We didn't talk about the Dom at all. We didn't talk about Wu Tai at all. We didn't talk about the gameplay and the problems that we had. Well, this with, was a spoiler cast. Lion. We didn't talk about fucking jewels. We didn't yeah. talk about jewels in the pull up game. How'd your pull up game and push up game go, by the way, Sly? How are you? Um, squats surprisingly easy. Pull ups jewels took me about six tries. Okay, that's pretty good. I watched somebody screw up, and this person knows who they are. I watched them screw up the squats for 15 minutes and then one-shot the pull-ups. That person knows who they are, and there are people in my chat who know who that person is. Because they said they didn't focus on the squats, and they they fucked it up. And then for the Uh, pull-ups, I learned my lesson from the squats, uh, and I'm 100% focusing on the pull-ups. What the fuck? That was tequila. That was Tequila who did that. I watched oh, him. Shitting me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, he one shot the pull ups. He did a really good job on the pull ups. Um, oh, man. They, like, all of those are pretty major elements to look forward to. Cause I know you're thinking Johnny mm-hmm. is a major element. Johnny's in the original. A lot of people forgot. They actually did Johnny's design really, really well based on how he appears in the original. And Johnny <laughs> is at least going to appear one more time because he ends up in Casa del Sol in the original. Johnny is, it's, and speaking of which, Hojo Acosta del Sol is the other thing I'm really looking forward to in, you know, part two. I have no memory of that. Yeah, you find Hojo I on did. the beach with his hose. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big man. That guy pulls. <laughs> probably, they're, they're probably just clones that he brought with him, to be honest, but you know. Yeah, no, they're just chicks. They're just chicks who are into experimentation. That's it. Yeah. So. He's like, oh, I heard you like experimenting. Me too. <laughs> hey, any of you want a little Sephiroth in you? <laughs> Again? <laughs> oh man! Oh, they nailed. They nailed Hydro. And that's another big thing. Like, again, we keep talking about the lore, but the characters are all... It's, it's a whole other topic. You could literally take, like, an hour or two and kind of cover each topic in, in excruciating detail. Because they put a lot of effort into characterization here, both in the important characters, like Avalanche, the main cast, the main villains, 
especially Scarlet, mm-hmm. who is just way too excited about materia, just too much, and is and has literally a a a, a pup of a person. To even just the people, I actually say I'm one of the few people who doesn't hate side quests so long as it's establishing a world that kind of exists mm-hmm. and like and exists without me in it. I suppose, like, th- these things could, like, it makes perfect sense that there's somebody who steals from the rich and gives to the poor. It's a pretty common trope, and being introduced to the characters and the characters looking for those characters is fine for me. Seeing kids playing around and, and, and dodging their responsibilities as part of an orphanage, while, by the way, clearly being inspired by Zack, because they all have buster swords... And it makes a lot of sense that Aerith would have introduced Zack to the kids at the Leaf Orphanage. I thought they only started having Buster Swords after they met Cloud. Literally, That's the kinda... first quest you do, as soon as you... Because they said there's five kids. Literally, you, you finish that mm. section, they go, there's five kids out. Mm-hmm. Go get go find them. Like, those kids fucking... Yeah, they didn't they just make Buster those swords. swords in five minutes. It certainly looks like they did. <laughs> They didn't just make those swords in five minutes, and one of them has a nail bat, which he gives to Cloud. That's true. Yeah, that's true. So I'm, I, I have no doubt that they, they're inspired by Zack, and that Aerith in this canon would have introduced Zack to the Leaf Orphanage. Hmm. I firm, I firmly believe in that. But see, there's little things like that that they did, and not to mention there's way more Sephiroth clones in this game because the original did not go up to 49, as far as I remember. Which we aren't, that's a concept I feel like they did very well here. Even introducing the, that guy are sick, the meme, without saying it. I loved that they had that guy are sick and they used it to refer to one of the clones. This guy are sick, yeah, this guy are sick. I didn't meet them all in the OG, but I don't think we ever saw that high of a number. Now, oh, yeah, the orphanage teacher who wants to be a dancer at the no. Honeybee Inn. The Honeybee Inn as a whole thing was fantastic. I don't know where Cloud learned to dance, but <laughs> I'm assuming it was part of his soldier training, or Zack knew how to dance, and now he knows how to dance. Oh, it's crazy how like all these things like come together when you really think about them. And that's why I could talk about it for so many hours. Oh yeah, and everyone wants me to talk about Hell House. Hell House was um, phenomenal. Fun. They did a really good job with... because So I had one declaration before 7 Remake came out. One. Mm, If there's no Hell House, they failed me. Really? That was your declaration? They certainly didn't fail you, did they? They certainly did not fail me. Because I said... Because I was playing through 7 OG, and I'm like, how the fuck are they going to do Hell House? Like, how do you do this in Remake? They're going... I I expect them to try, and if they don't, they failed me. Oh, they did it. <laughs> no, they didn't. Things, even things like Sword of P- like all of the most annoying enemies in the original are ten times more annoying here. Like the dudes that come up and down out of the, the whack-a-mole style things, the sledge oh, sledge worms. Oh, I hated, I hated yeah. them in the original. I fucking hated them. Sahagans are fucking worst. assholes in this. Like Sahagans, mega, ass- like, mega assholes. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. And then, but then you have like this, the, the shock, the enhanced shock troopers, the skating ones, like if the twister mm-hmm. attack that they do. They're nightmare in hard mode. Yeah, Zanines are really fucking annoying during the Tifa, the Tifa Aerith section. The room with the 12 hellhounds is really annoying. 
on all the difficulties. It's it's just like, man, I'm such a fucking stand for this game. It's not even fucking fair. <laughs> it's just not. I can see that. It's just not fair. <laughs> you non-stands never stood a chance. <laughs> oh God, is there any? Okay, is there any element of the game? Because it's late for Ethos, and I would love to keep talking about it. And Sly's Sly's got a life to live. I don't. So, <laughs> I gotta let these guys go. As much as I really don't want to. Triceratops. I mean, that's a thing. That's gonna be a boss. I have no doubt now. Oh, yeah. I know Triceratops is gonna be a boss. I can't wait for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are you trying to remember what that is at this tank? Sarah? Yeah, I am. It's a giant triceratops it's that's a, a tank. tank. Oh yeah, yeah. Most commonly, yeah, most the, commonly known for being morphable. What happened? Oh really? Yeah. In the original, they were the number one source of early game morphing into strength sources. Really? Mm-hmm. You could have two hundred fifty-five strength by the first time you get them if you have enough patience. Yeah, I remember this guy. I'm seeing him now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a. There's I, I really like they didn't shy away from like the the kind of silly absurdity. camp parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. The um, absurdity and, of everything in this game. <laughs> Love it. And I'm not a big Seven fan. The original Seven, I'm not a big fan of. No, I I agree with you. I mean, like when it was first announced, mm-hmm. I was like, "Why, why seven? Like, this it's not the best Final Fantasy game. It's not the most commercially successful Final Fantasy game. Like, why?" I'd say it's the but most it iconic. It struck a chord. Yeah, it struck a chord yeah. yeah, with yeah. a lot of people, and it's the most yeah. iconic, I believe. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and it, 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 it totally makes sense to me now. I think a lot of it is also like it's the one that most deserved a remake just because it's the one that has aged the poorest in a lot of ways. Um, at least visually, you know, it looks like Mm -hmm. dog shit. God, the original looks so bad. Um, but I'm a hundred percent on board now. Like, uh, it wasn't my favorite and now I'm super, super invested in it. So well done. Yeah. I'm on, I'm on board with that entire, uh, that entire (laughs) statement. Oh, I just wish we had time to talk about Wu-Tai more. Don Corneo and Wu-Tai, man, I need that. I need that scene in my life with Elena and Yuffie. And I mean, still talking about Yuffie and Vincent. It's no question mark that they're going to be mandatory. I mean, I think that's, that's set in stone. They've said that in the original mm-hmm. Yuffie and Vincent were supposed to be mandatory, but they cut their story, so they mm-hmm. made them optional for the most part. Uh, so there's always that. Sly, is there anything you want to touch on? Anything from your very fresh playthrough? Because again, there are so many things we didn't touch on. We may we may have to do a follow up to talk about other things. <laughs> oh my god! Fun. We didn't talk oh, about the yeah. characterization. We didn't talk about all the other loose threads that they left hanging. No, I think I touched on everything I pretty much wanted to touch on. Okay. I haven't. <laughs> I know you haven't. Yeah, like, then there's also, like, more gameplay-related elements like this brought up, like, will our character mm-hmm. power transfer over? Um, no. Uh, I have one item in the game that convinces me that our I won't be a one-to-one transfer. I think, mm-hmm. I think it'll impact it, but I don't think it'll be a one-to-one transfer. 
Why not? I have an item that gives me a limit break at the start of every fight. That item's not coming with me. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, that's probably fair. I mean, I can see that not transferring, but... Um, I don't think they're just going to lock out one. I think I think they'll cap your level at, like, 35. They'll, like, start you at 30 if you don't have a save file, but they'll, like, cap... They'll, like, mm-hmm. if you do, they'll, like, let you start at, like, 35 or something. Um, mm. I think they'll let you have some of the skills. I don't think they'll let you bring six, plus seven skills over, because then you're going to learn six more, and there's going to be way too many fucking skills for all the characters. So I think it'll just be the Buster Sword, just be the base weapons at the start. Braver and and maybe the same other starting skill, but not all of them. Um, material will de-level down to... Man? I think material will de-level down to one for all of them. And enemy skills, stuff like enemy skill and magnify that all carry over. Wait, 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 wait. You're, you're taking away Infinity's End? Are you yes. serious? I'm taking away Infinity's End. How no. dare you, sir? No. How very dare you? Some people no, think I it's going to be Yuffie stealing everything, too, and I'm like, no, because we get it back from her originally. Yeah. <laughs> that would be that would be so good, though. That would be so funny if they did that. Yeah, and she wouldn't even sell it. She would just give it to Wu-Tai, so we'd still get it back. That's her whole thing. She's trying to steal f- so, you know, to, to empower Wu-Tai. So I think there's going to be a lot of stuff squished down. I think that them stopping at 50 is indicative that su- that stuff will carry over. But it also mm-hmm. it also feels like, like why would I leave Midgar at level 100? You know? Like, I, I, I also feel like some of it's just playing to the point in the game we actually are. And it's not entirely indicative of, like, a one-to-one transfer. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, what else was there? What was that slide that you were about to say? Nothing. I, I, thought, I thought you were about to bring a point. There was something somebody brought up that I very much felt personally attached to. Oh, the start of the next game. I think we start the next game in the the Nibelheim flashback. It's literally going to be the start in the truck. It's bouncing up and down. It's on the path. And the first spoken word is going to be Sephiroth. This is your hometown, isn't it? And that's just going to be how Cloud remembers it, not how it actually happened. But That's not because Sephiroth doesn't say that in the original. Zack says it to Cloud in the original. But I think that's where we start. It's going to be just literally look up Sephiroth Hey, what's up? We're going to start in the back of a truck, okay? Yeah. Nibel- and we're going to literally play through the whole Nibelheim flashback as, as yeah. chapter one. Yeah, yeah. we're going to be sitting in the in the back of a truck. We're going to look across to Sephiroth, and he's going to say, Hey, you're finally awake. And then Skyrim's going to pan across the screen. Yeah, yeah. And so many people made that joke. <laughs> 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 so many people make that joke when I say that. Oh, there's so many good things. Oh, all, all I want to say is I'm glad that we fun. get to have these discussions and speculation for the next several years because here's mm-hmm. the thing. Final Fantasy VII Remake has not just given a remake, whether people like it or not, to the community. They've They've given us literally the most important topic for the next several years of our lives, if you, whether you like it or or hate it. In the gaming world, (laughs) no, in the gaming industry, part two is going to be Mm. one of the most looked at and anticipated parts. Not necessarily because people need it right now, but because everyone wants to know who you need it right now. No, everyone wants to know who was right and who was wrong. I I get that, like love or hate the ending and and the Mm. setup. I think it it is going to have been really successful. In the next part is going to be one of the most anticipated releases. Like of a mm-hmm. long, long time. Um, so they nailed it. 
And even if you hate it, you need that second part because you need to know if you were how much you hate it. <laughs> you need to know if you like really, really hate it, or if it's like you just hate like a bit of it, or mm-hmm. like you just or you're gonna hate, or now you know you you're gonna hate the next one, but now you're waiting for the third one because you don't know if you really hate it all the way yet. But you need the whole thing to know you're how right. much you hate. You need all, to hate it. All of those, right. all of those zero out of tens are still going to be hate bias for part two. Yes, yeah. they need it just as much as as us eight out of ten people need it. Like that guy who says it's it's the most awful thing. Good old eight out of ten right there. Oh, for me, it's still airing mm. on a possible top five favorite. Top five favorite right. Final Fantasy games mm-hmm. or. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. It's right. still behind six and ten for me, but at, at third and fourth spot, it's a uh, it's feeling. I don't. I'd, I'm. 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 Just can't get there. I don't know how to get there. It's three. It's three or four. I don't know if I'm pushing Zodiac Age down, or if I need to, or if I just gotta shove Final. Because right below Zodiac Age is a question mark. Still, kind. It's either. It's like four and five. And, you know, it's a pretty big jump from three to four, and now it won't be. I think part two will be top five for me just because, again, it's going to be a lot more open. Um, and a lot of the issues with part one, I think they're going to have ironed out by then. I think it's going to be a lot a lot tighter. I think it's going to be three. I think I like it more than Zodiac Age. Zodiac Age is way longer game. I also don't like the original 12, which still kind of hurts Zodiac Age to this day, because it's still built on the original 12. Uh, that's that's fair. fair. I guess. Yeah. Huh. Now, but i got to judge part two separately. I think I have to. They, they told me that I can judge them all as standalone games. That's all I'm saying. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Me neither. How will we judge this? How will we judge this once it's all said and done? We have all the parts. It'll be directly compared one to one to the original, and every and every scene and and method and and choice and everything. Hmm. Now, if they start remaking all of them, I'll make a separate category and call this the remake category, <laughs> and then I'll just start judging them from there. You know. That won't happen, or I'll be dead by then. But you know, do we do we think that that they will? Do we think this is going to set a precedent for remaking other ones? No, I hope not. No, I don't think I they really ever remake not. another Final Fantasy after this. I hate to tell you guys, one maybe Final Fantasy one, and they've already remade one like five times into different like two D formats. But I actually, just because of just because of it being like a logistics nightmare. I just don't think they ever put that much of a strain on a on a project on a past expectation again. I think mm. I think they don't remake six. I think they don't remake eight, nine ever. I don't think they do it ever again. I think the closest thing you'll see is the old. No, I think the closest thing you'll see is like a something that's like a graphical update, but it's not mm-hmm. this. Like. The way you could compare, like, there's Final Fantasy 4 and, like, 11 different platforms or some shit. Like, they remade it. They didn't just port it most mm-hmm. of the times. But they're not... We wouldn't call those remakes. We call that... No, oh, that port has, like... Oh, yeah. Like, it, it just wouldn't read the same way. Yeah. I I, I don't think they ever remake these ever again. Not to this degree. 
I honestly hope they don't because as much as like I love what they're doing here, I think it's nice to focus on original stories, you know? And I still hope that the secret project OGP has is Final Fantasy sixteen. <laughs> still tinfoil hat theory about that one. Everyone thinks it's another MMO. I'm like, nah, dude, I'm telling you. It's gotta be. It's gotta be re- it's gotta be Final Fantasy sixteen. I, I, no other universe exists for me. I just don't think they'll remake any other one. I just, that's it. I think they're done. They can say all they want and be like, oh yeah, we'd love to do that. We'd love to do this. We'd love to do that. Yeah, they'd love to. Nah. Nah. Just because nah, one man. person saying they want to. I mean, originally when they remade seven, I think Katase said six and eight, and then like somebody else said five, and then I think some, one of them said one. It's like, there's, I still don't think they do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. That's how I feel. So with that, I'm going to let both of you gentlemen go, because I would love to spend about an hour talking about the characters, (laughs) and I don't think you guys are going to be down for that. But fortunately, I have some other things that distract me from that, including another recording after this, Trials of Mana, uh, Mm -hmm. Kakarot DLCs on Tuesday... Mm-hmm. And then Xenoblade Definitive Editions next month, and PSO2 PC is next month. And then I feel like there's other things, but I don't know. And we've got Stay of the Realm on Wednesday this week. Not Tuesday, guys. Sly needs Sly needs off on Tuesday. He's got he's got he's got important things. It is important. Yeah. yeah so we do it on Wednesday. Simple. Yeah. And that'll be live letter show on Final Fantasy fourteen. I'm so excited for that. That's going to be a great show. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good live letter. Um, and then after that, Sly and I have some plans that I'll have, we'll finally have to push into motion. So, uh. Yeah. We sure will. Be on, be on the lookout. There's going to be a mix of TPGs and, oh, there's going to be a lot more TPGs over the next several months because those of you know, this show is entirely born from being a filler between Final Fantasy 14 podcasts. Because we used to just do one of those a week, but now due to the situation in the world, it's going to be, we're going to have a much longer time before there's like a, a steady stream of news. So expect a lot of these to pop up over the next several months. Okay. Hell yeah. <laughs> and with that, that's TBG. Almost three hours long. TBG number two. Talking about game. Talking about game. The whole game. Yeah, but parentheses S compilation. You know, all that all that good stuff. And thank you, gentlemen, for coming on. Before I let you do your outros, we have to thank our sponsors again. We gotta thank of course Steel Series. We thank them at the beginning. Twelve percent discount code, Mr. Happy Twelve, sponsor the show. Don't do it at this. I hate you so much. Um we we gotta thank them. Appreciate them. Enter the giveaway under the YouTube video. There's that every month. And that's it. Now we're moving. <laughs> no, no. I'll, I'll suffer this. I'll suffer this. I'll suffer you for them. Do okay? it. All right. And we also have to thank our patrons who, whose names have been, <laughs> have been scrolling in the top right of the screen the whole time. A couple of you are missing from that list. I have seen it. I haven't been getting emails as steadily from Patreon, but... I did check before the show, and we did have a couple of them. We had Octavius, who joined the list up there. We had uh, Ryan, who hasn't provided me a name. And, again, I got an apology 
uh, letter from somebody again who said, hey, I need to reduce my contribution. Guys, you don't need to apologize for reducing the contribution with everything that's going on right now. You, you owe me nothing. Going. You owe us nothing, especially not an apology. Just enjoy the content and, <clears throat> you know, take care of yourself because that's the most important thing uh, right now. We also had uh, DJ, another name that got added to that list. And I think that's all of them. No, nope, we also had Ed. That's another one that got added in there. So thank you to those... <laughs> God, I just tabbed back. Thank you. To those Thank new you patrons, and of course our patrons of Darkness, Kuchikross, Genova, and Kuranayoni. Now, OBS has been a little funky, so I'm kind of afraid to change tabs. I don't know what's been going on with OBS, but window so captures. Good. So I'm so kind good. of I'm kind of nervous to try and tab over to don't the... Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Are no. you, I can always add it in post. I suppose. Yeah. I can always add that and post the, the, the images that they provide. So thank you to our patrons and our patrons of Darkness for supporting through these times. We do appreciate it. Hopefully you've been enjoying TPG because now suddenly you sponsor those too. There you go. Yeah. You got one more. Guarantee your shout yeah, out you instead do. of just not doing Bloody your Bloody legends. Not thank you so it. much. All right, and with that, we are going to wrap things up for this week's episode. We'll be back in just a few days with our usual Final Fantasy XIV uh, podcast on the recent live letter number 58. But for now, we have to do some sign-offs. Now, I'm going to let you guys know we're staying on this scene because of all the issues that happened earlier before the show actually started. It reset the scenes where you guys were it's just focused on your individual camera. Nothing major, but figured I'd let you guys know we're all going to be on the screen at the same time here for the rest of this part. Technical difficulties, what can you do? Thank you, OBS, for crashing literally 10 minutes before we were supposed to start this and making me do everything over again. Love you so much for it. So much. Ethis, thanks for joining us. You got to go first. Where can they find you at? Uh, you can find me at the Sasher everywhere. YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can Google me, find some of the things that I've written for various outlets. Uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, finished playing Dirge of Kerberos today with a hard C, Kerberos. How you like that? Okay. I hate it. And, um, yeah, that game is okay. It is just <laughs> fine. <laughs> Um, and in the near future, I'm planning on playing through Crisis Core and uh, New Threat as well, amongst all of the normal Final Fantasy XIV stuff, um, as well as uh, XCOM Chimera Squadron came out, and I'm a big, big XCOM fan, so we're going to be playing that. Um, but, uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me, as always, and thank you guys for listening, and I hope you enjoyed um, having a big old nerdgasm about Final Fantasy VII with us. I'll pass it to Sly. Oh, good. Good right? look. Yeah, that's, that's that right. It? That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Got it. Nice. Hi. Uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash sly, aka Gray Fox, uh, Twitter at slidefox, uh, pretty much everywhere. Like, that's just it, mainly. Um, I actually have a little bit of a life now that I've finished both P5R and 7 Remake, but, uh, Tuesday I get to start Soccer Wars and, and what else comes out this week? Oh yeah, Streets of Rage 4. Um, that won't take too long to beat them up. But, you know, if you love classic Streets of Rage, if you were ever a Sega baby, you probably played Streets of Rage 2 or 3 or 1. Yeah, it was good. Good times. I'll be playing that too, but mainly Soccer Wars. I'm really fucking hyped for Soccer Wars. You have no idea. Uh, I'm back on my Far Eastern bullshit. Um. You are never uh, off of it. Don't you get <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. News to me. Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, where can I find you? What's your? Hey, don't forget about you. Forgot to shout out WSLY. Oh yeah, I 
we do WSOY every Saturday, uh, City Pop Radio Station. Uh, I'll probably be doing one tomorrow because I just want something low-key, you know, just to pass time until Soccer Wars gets here on Tuesday and I can actually play and it's going to be fun as shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, if you are, if you ever heard any 70s, if you never heard any 70s or 80s, uh, um, J-pop, then definitely tune in, especially tomorrow because yeah, it's just going to be a little chill session. It is awesome, you guys. Like, you will discover some freaking awesome bangers. So do do tune into that. It's a, it's great. I love Thank it. You. Thank you, guys. Love you, boo. Pabst, what are you up to? Where can they find you? You can find me, Mr. Happy1227, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, all of those locations. Things that we have been up to recently, Final Fantasy VII Remake, easy, any percent speed runs. I don't I haven't checked to see if there's a route out because... Been playing Trials of Mana because I was just winging those while like minorly routing for myself at about just Jeez. under seven and a half hours, seven hours twenty six minutes and fifty four seconds. I think was was one of them was probably one of my better ones, uh, and I know it can get under seven hours very easily. So uh, I just need to improve a little bit on that. <clears throat> on top of that, we did Trials of Mana. I finished the first playthrough today. I'll probably new game plus the other ones and bully the hell out of them because uh, it's been a pretty solid remake. Pretty pretty. Nice if you've played the original or played any of the collections that have come out. Much better than the Secret of Mana remake, which uh, we don't talk about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about the Secret of Mana remake, because no. Um, then we also have uh, Dragon Ball Z uh, Kakarot, which has its first DLC coming out on Tuesday. Like I said at the beginning, a game I like, I would argue, not a great game, but I don't care, because Dragon Ball Z. Uh, the Battle of Gods DLC comes out on Tuesday. And then, other than that, just the usual 14 business. Um, I have some other games I was considering playing. Next month is also Xenoblade Definitive Edition. PSO2 is coming out on PC, or is going into beta on PC, which, from what I understand, will share servers with the Xbox version. So, all that, they'll, they'll be way ahead of me, but that means I'll just, uh, I'll just, you know, mosey on through most of this stuff, probably, for the most part. And I'm trying to think if there's anything I'm forgetting in recent times. Things I can't remember other than daunting a little bit. And Dauntless. I've been daunting more and Dauntless. That's, that's, that's been one. That's been fun. Uh, yeah, and I can't think of anything else. So that's, oh, and then I'm gonna be starting after, after I platinum Trials of Man, I'm starting a Realm Reborn restart, where I'm replaying through a Realm Reborn before it gets remade, without any EXP bonuses that can't be obtained by a brand new player, so only if the Collector's Edition won, pretty much. Um, <laughs> n- I'm gonna do it as a DPS, and no one's allowed to queue with me. At the same time. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. We're going this route with it. No preferred okay. world. We are making this as painful as possible. So when... Man, how much beer do you want me to send you? As much as possible. Because then, okay. when it gets remade, we're going to do the exact same thing and see how much better it goes for a brand new player. So you're going from a speed run to a slow run. Yes. Literally as slow as humanly possible. Have fun with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Slice face is so much concern on it. <laughs> Again, like, how much beer do you need? I haven't decided what DPS I'm going to play at, but I'm going to. I heavily contemplated playing a healer, but I was like, no, you know what? Because I need to show what people should be doing when they have long queue times instead of sitting around bitching about long queue times, all right? You got to play the slowest DPS. 
which I think is probably Black Mage before level. 50. Oh, I would love to play Black Mage. Actually, that's a good idea. I think we're gonna. Pl- I think we're gonna play Black Mage. Well, you got it. See, Summoner, I could play and argue to go Scholar, but I know I think I think I'm gonna play Black Mage. Yeah, I'm down for that. Yeah, we're playing Black Mage for that. We're starting that after we get 100% achievements on Trials of Mana and after Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. So, um, I would say it's going to be fun, but that would not be true. So, <laughs> I don't think I can say that, to be honest. It'll be fun. Yeah. For different reasons. Fun, it's not, no. And also Animal Crossing, as per usual. We've been doing a ton of Animal Crossing. We've been uh, doing our crossbreeding of our flowers. Finally got a purple rose today after getting five golden roses. Finally got one purple rose. We're going to find fake paintings, real paintings, May Day events, wedding event, new seasons, new months, new fish, new bugs, no time skipping, all that shit. I am fucking skipping cutscenes. I'm at least doing that for A Realm Reborn. All right? Although I shouldn't because I need to compare them. No, because... No, I don't think so because all the important scenes... You know what? This is a discussion for Wednesday. Wrong podcast. Wrong I'm podcast. disappointed. We might I'm actually watch all of them. I think about it. Okay. But anyway, that's going to be a wrap for us. Thank you again to our sponsors. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. For SpoilerCast, this will be available on YouTube and audio formats tomorrow. And now we're going to take a do, do a short post show, and then I've got a weekly Q&A to record. So, hey. I've, uh, yep, uh, it's time for that. So, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We will see you for, on Wednesday for State of the Realm. And until then, take care. Bye, everyone.